on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Mad Nick returned from a one-day delay to celebrate the 4th while keeping all of their appendages, something the Skywalker bros can't say. The dudes will talk about Naboo and Andor, the R-rated fat movie that never was, the ties between Dawn of the Jedi and the new Rey movie, and the potential dark moments in Skeleton Crew. Of course, the show will end with the Question of the Week segment and the latest round of Tapa featured Star Wars fan artists. Punch Chewy. <laughs> I'm I'm letting Nick kick us off this week. Hey now, everybody! (laughs) It's 4th of the July week here in the States, which is why we're a day late and always a dollar short here at the Star Wars Time Show. But welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to see you. We got Jode21. We love you, Jode, and, and our boy Bats up in this piece. You never know who's going to make the jump with us when we shift dates around. But like I said, we had to light off some fireworks yesterday, at least myself. Uh, Took a break. But we're here today. We're going to talk all things, uh, let's just say Lucasfilm today. How's that? Lucasfilm. You can see if you're on the live stream, we got a graphic up there that is not Star Wars related, but it kind of is. Because it's Lucasfilm Day here at the SWTS. So we'll do some of that. We'll do some of this. We'll talk some of the random shit that popped up last week in Star Wars and uh, funny things I came across after my rant that lost us at least four subscribers on YouTube as expected. What rant? But that's okay. <laughs> I don't even remember. Uh, you, you know, it was it, it's just like talking like a, an enlightened individual and, you know, how we are kind of ragging on people that are so upset about the Acolyte and it's like a year from even releasing, so... Um. Um, but I, I did see a follow-up. I, I forget which trade it was, but they're like, I'm pretty sure all this weird Leslie Headland, you know, bashing is, is literally from the Star Wars Theory video that we talked about a few weeks ago. And I'm guessing it is. The guy's got three and a half million subs, and you can kind of start things there. I also saw, as we get into Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny review, <laughs> Doomcock and his followers were, were pounding their chest over the week because apparently all his predictions about it being woke and this that and the other thing came true so i don't care i don't know honestly exactly we're not going to talk about doomcock to this week (laughs) we're going to talk about how we because this is how you should do when it comes to opinions and pop culture typically you should go take it in yourself before you allow an internet putz like doomcock to influence your your your, your, your kind of how how you're going to perceive something going into it, you know what I'm saying? So no doomcock. That that's it. I will I will not speak the name any further on today's episode. But it is crazy, like the the army of bullshit that these types of people cook up for perceived slights against the white male. I guess Nick and and, and older white male characters that. Let's be real. I, I mean, I love, I love me old Han Solo, old Indy, old Luke, old Leia. But there's a, there's a key word there, Nick. Old. Okay. 
You couldn't have the sequel trilogy. You can't have these new indie movies where he is Harrison Ford of the 70s, 80s and 90s. Like it's that's why they they make these movies to try to do some sort of a, you know, put put the character to bed nicely or to set up a uh, a potential passing of the torch, if you will. Uh, Bat apparently Indy was woke because it had a female in a lead role. That's that's where we're at. And it here's the new one, my friends. Uh, apparently, there there's a theory going around there that Kathleen Kennedy has only casted women that look like her to be in lead roles to ruin the pop culture creations of men. That why all I'm of not, the the women right. In that, lead that's roles why are British and she's not that. Like, that's why she 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 hired uh, Daisy Ridley because Daisy has brown hair like Kathy does. That's why she hired Phoebe because she has brown hair like Kathy does. So this is a, this is the weird shit that Lucasfilm supposed fans get into. But who gives a shit about these people? Let's get into this. Uh, yeah, one six shooter knows what I'm talking about. Any strong woman is definitely woke. But who gives a fuck about those types? Let's talk Indiana Jones. And I'm excited because Nick actually saw it. I saw it. This is the first time we've actually seen a new movie. And we could talk about it on the show here. So we are going to uh, kind of kick things off with the DOD. And um, since I've been yapping, I might as well keep going. That's this kind of thing here. Poor Nick. He, he's, he's very patient and waits his turn. It's all right. I know Nick fans kind of like it when it's just Nick sometimes. And, and I, I don't <laughs> I I, uh, I kind of agree with some of you people. But here we go. So Indiana Jones 5, a.k.a. Dial of Destiny. My my quick take, my like poster type of review or like a pull quote is it, it was great. I mean, it is as Indiana Jones as any other Indiana Jones that came before it. Uh, to me, Nick, it, it felt uh, I still think The Last Crusade is, is the best for me, but it felt close to that. Uh, you know, we, we kind of got this. A gallivanting around the globe type of adventure going after like an old ancient artifact that may or may not have otherworldly powers and I dug it like I, I really dug the structure of the film uh I I, I complaint wise it, it is it's way too long at 234 uh and, and you can feel that as towards the end it, it just it feels like they hit fast forward on a few of the threads they were cooking specifically with um, Helena, Helena's character, like she has a very quick turn it doesn't quite, it, it's kind of like Anakin's turn in Revenge of the Sith. Like things are just going along and then, Hey, fuck. Yeah. I'm going to completely change the type of person I am, character I am and blah, blah, blah. I do have a heart after all. Uh, and the, uh, at times now, while it was good and I'm interested to hear what Nick says at times in the great opening sequence, which is the de-aged Ford, it, it looks a little weird. It's like, yeah, I don't know if like that day, like they just didn't have the right lighting guy in or they, they, they didn't have the, the, the right texture guy in, but there are a few shots of DH Ford specifically on the train heist deal where it's like, Hey, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's we're we're still not there. Still not there. The uncanny, uncanny Valley comes in a little bit, but by God, it was probably the best de-aging of an ultra-famous actor uh, we, we've seen in quite some time. So, overall, I think Indy 5 is a win. I know it, uh, it kind of failed box office expectations, which is 
sad. Uh, I, I understand a little bit. I mean, there was definitely a, a, a large anti Indy five campaign and people do buy into that, that stuff, I guess. Uh, I guess there's still people that are afraid to go to movies, but Nick, I think it only made 60 mil, which, you know, sounds great on paper, but for a summer blockbuster with the Indiana Jones pedigree, uh, I, I definitely think Lucasfilm is probably a little bit disappointed, but in the end, people, all the bullshit you're hearing about this movie, the, the the critical reaction, this is one that I think the fans get right on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, the, the, it's a very skewed split between critics and fans. Fans are much more favorable than the critics, and and, and this is one I am going to have to lean with the fans, Nick. I, I, I don't know. I really I, I think this movie's a winner. If you want me to put a, a number on it, I would say 8.5 to a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it. Like, Indiana Jones, like, flips between my favorite and my second favorite, like, franchise series of all time. Like, it's it's pretty much between that and Star Wars. Um, And I think that I I, I love the movie. I didn't really have a problem with the pacing of it because I think for a two and a half hour movie, like, two and a half hour long movie, it didn't feel that long. Like, it, it was it was paced pretty well. My biggest complaint was that in like towards the beginning of the movie, it felt like the two chase scenes that happened were like kind of close together. So I wish that they would have been spaced out a little bit more. So you weren't like jumping from, you know, chasing to chasing. Um, Overall, I enjoyed it. I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan. I was going to like this movie like pretty much regardless. I liked the, the crystal skull movie. Like I, I don't care if it's like wonky stuff, like, you know, uh, All fi- dude, every indie film has like an element of wonky, supernatural, yeah. you know, hocus pocus. So, I mean, while Crystal Skull did kind of bring in like alien civilization, it, it, is it that far off from a dial of destiny or the or the uh, the, the chalice or the ark or the the stones. I mean, this franchise has always been pretty fantastical. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, I think that initially my thought was Indiana Jones does the best when it's like religious relics and artifacts. And you kind of got that. I mean, like obviously the title pretty much told you what it was going to be, but you kind of got a religious artifact tease in the very beginning with the Lance of Longinus and, and stuff like that. Um, but I think that this movie did a fantastic job of like stepping away from the religious artifacts, um, but still having the same effect as like the, you know, the, uh, the Holy Grail or the Ark of the Covenant. Um, so yeah, I was a big fan as for the DH Ford. I mean, I think my biggest thing is like, it like this movie has been in fucking production for years, multiple years. Long time. Yeah. Cause, cause he got hurt. Yeah. He got injured. There was COVID and everything else. Like this, this movie has been in production for like five years or something like that. Yeah. I, I, that's fair statement. So it really like depends. Like for me, the de-aging thing is interesting because it depends on when in the cycle they did the de-aging for certain scenes. Like the first time you see it, um, definitely looks like a little bit weird. Um, it, it settled in and looked good for a while. And then like you mentioned, it kind of looks a little bit weird again, but overall, I think that, um, it was a really good use of the de-aging technology. I don't think that it took away from the scenes or if it took away from the performance or anything like that. 
Um, I thought that Phoebe Waller-Bridge did a great job playing off of Harrison Ford and they had a really cool rapport together. I like how they uh, very briefly addressed the Shia LaBeouf, Mutt Williams uh, situation that was left open after the fourth movie, after Crystal Skull. So I think that they did a good job of just touching on it. since you... Since you brought that up, badass. I mean, what what did you think how they handled Mutt? I mean, were you good with that? Yeah, I was totally fine with it. I don't want to like give yeah. any spoilers, but it was like it was they didn't need to spend time on it and they shouldn't have spent right. too much time on it, but they told you what happened, they showed you how it affected Indy and Marion. And um I think that that's all they really needed. Like I think that that's pretty much all they had to do. Um yeah, so, right. Hey, yeah. back to Helena. And I agree with you. I I um I was quite impressed with Phoebe's performance. But I do and and I'm I'm kind of I'm not picking on Connor here. Press pause, but I I he he's right. He's written some really well thought out mini reviews on Instagram. He's in film, so you know, I I I kind of take his opinion a little bit more than some others. And I I kind of felt this way too, but did did you Regardless of Phoebe's performance, which was great, did you find the character of Helena herself to be slightly off-putting? Like almost, I don't want to call her a bitch or a cunt because she's a woman, but she was almost had like no feelings, no heart. She was very, uh, uh, you know, lackadaisical in, in, in terms of her relationship with, with Indy. It was all about money, money, money. And then, yeah, all of a sudden she, you know, kind of switches and she's like, no, we got to save you. I mean, in general, did you like the character of Helena? Yeah, I did. I don't think that it's a problem that she was callous at the beginning. I think that that was the whole point of the character is for her to be callous. And then for Indy to try to say like, hey, there's like she's a young person that's gotten into this business because of. Who's, who's gotten into the business of selling relics because she saw the damage that relics did to her father. So she's not going to look at it, look at them in a kind way. Like she literally saw her father devolve, deteriorate, and then die because of his obsession with ancient history. And it's, it's similar to the way uh, that the relationship was between Indy and his father. Like Indy and his father had almost no relationship for, for decades because. Yeah. There's a great line in there, Nick. Did you catch it? Where essentially like, why are you going after something that drove your father mad? And he's essentially talking about his dad in the grail exactly. and kind of so, how their, their relationship fizzled because of that. Yeah. So I, they're drawing parallels between the character of, of Indy when he was younger from the last crusade and the character uh, like Phoebe Raller Bridges character. So, you, and, and, and now you have Indy that can look at that situation through a lens of experience and say like, look, I know that this is something that had, that you're struggling with. I know that you have animosity towards your father and these things that, you know, like and and the things that he was obsessed with his entire life that took away the attention and the love um, that, that you deserved. But I think like that is why she is the way she is. And, and while her character turn did happen relatively quickly because it was a two and a half hour long movie and they were right. they put, like, oh, well, <laughs> you know. we need to make her like Indy a little bit more now. Um, and I think that there was a moment that that happened, you know, like when she realized like, oh, 
the stakes of this are, are, are pretty high when they were, you know, I, again, like I'm not trying to, I'm, I don't want to give away too many spoilers. But yeah, it, let's just say her, like the tone of her character kind of changes on a dime right towards the end of the movie when kind of the big hurrah happens. Yeah. So I, I was, oh. um, I wasn't off put by her like being bitchy or all about the money or stuff like that, because like there are characters like that all the time. And I think that, the character. Well, was- you make a good point. You you make a good point, and I'm with you that I, I I do think Helena is a parallel to Indy. The difference is, they both had dads that were goofy over relics. Indy chose to become a relic hunter for the preservation of history. She chose to become one to get rich. That was the difference. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they're they're forks. She's like, I'm I'm in it just for money, and we know you know Indy's famous line: "It belongs in a museum." That that was his his take on it. So yeah, that's a good way to kind of splice those two characters. And they, it's like they it, had it would very have been similar. Boring as fuck. If it was like, hi, I'm Helena. You may not. Let's remember go me. hunt for treasures yeah. and take them to museums. And like yeah. We, we, yeah, like we we think of we think of things the exact same way. I think like even though we haven't talked in decades, like I believe everything that you believe. I think that we should do the things the exact same way that you've been doing them. That that would have yeah. like a really terrible character dynamic. Yeah, so, and you never you never get that when you have two people from different generations. They're always going to have a different type of take on the world because one has lived many more years and is probably a little more learned and the other thinks that they're unstoppable. I mean, that that's in in any facet of life. Yeah. So I I think that like, uh, overall I would probably put it as my third favorite indie movie because I really enjoy, uh, okay. Rank them out then. I mean, it's it's last crusade Raiders dial. And then like crystal skull and, um, Temple of Doom can probably flip around. I, I actually, actually, I'm just going to take that back. Like I, I like Crystal Skull more than I like Temple of Doom. I don't care that it's newer um, or the, the fridge scene. I'm with you too, like man. That. Like Temple of Doom. If you go back and watch it, it it's the weakest in my opinion. It, it, it lacks the exciting MacGuffin, I guess. Like the thing he's going after for, it's like, okay, the fucking stones for the village and like I, it's like all right. I think that like one thing that makes Indiana Jones really interesting too is like the traveling, like all of the different locations that they go to in yes. the movies. Whereas yeah, in, and, and 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 Dial did this great. Like yeah. that, that's what, to me it really had that Last Crusade where you hey there's the map and the plane. Hey look now it's a big Pan Am plane instead of a prop plane because yeah. they're in the the late sixties or seventies. So. Yeah, I um, uh, I'm, I, Temple of Doom is is definitely wonky. I, I've always had issues with that one. It fucked me up as a little kid. Probably watched it too young. Like the heart stuff, uh, and the monkey brains always kind of yeah. warped me a little bit. And I think that like, uh, and that one honestly, that should be the first movie. Like in the indie timeline, that comes before Raiders. Like that's like the first Indiana Jones adventure, technically outside of the Young Indie Chronicles, but. Uh, Temple of Doom, timeline-wise, is set before Raiders. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so that that one just lacks a lot of, like, the Hallmark stuff from the Indiana Jones franchise, so it'll probably be last for me. But yeah, I mean, like, I, like, the way that I told my friends, I was like, if you're a fan of Indiana Jones, you're gonna like this movie. Like, it's, that's just how it is. And if you're gonna go in and you're just, like, your your intention is to, like, pick it apart, then you can, you're gonna sit there and you're gonna find things yeah. that you don't like about it and you're gonna pick it apart, but... I mean, uh, yeah, I, like I 
watch it again. I, I truly enjoyed it. Uh, it, it was definitely like towards the end of it when the movie was coming to its close, I was like, you know, it was sad because I was like, man, there's like, this is it. There's going to be no more. Like, I don't, I'm not the type of person that's like, uh, you know, like that, like gets emotional over like, like series ending or, or something like that. But this one kind of like caught me a little bit because I've been a fan of Indiana Jones since I was like a little, like a small child and just knowing like, well, oh, yeah, th- it's, it's this like came, over over. this came first for you even over star Wars, right? Like you were into this before star Wars. Yeah. No? Yeah. Uh, very yeah. much so. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was like, it was odd to see the end of it and be like, this is the end. And like, this is, this is truly the uh, end. Of you never know, work. man. I mean, he, he said he's not retiring. So, yeah. uh, I, I, I think the way it ends, it should be the end. Yeah, it should. Well, I, um, I think that like logistically too, it's just, there's no way that you can have another Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford being the lead because Harrison Ford is 81 right. years old. Like, and they've obviously, I mean, let, let's be real. I mean, they, I, I think they didn't put, shove it in our faces, which I kind of dig. And it's not because I, I hate women. I, I just, I don't like when they try to force like, all right, let's keep the franchise going. And here you go, fans. But I mean, clearly Helena could carry, un, carry the title forward. I mean, she has her own short round and everything. I mean, it, th- those choices were very particular. They made with that character and uh, I, I forget what the, her short round, his name, but um, it's uh, I hope it's the end. I could see them starting like an Indiana Jones adventures something. Yeah. No. You know, if they like, I think that they're probably going to start straying away from from making TV series based off of franchises just because they haven't been doing well outside of the Star Wars ones. Like they tried to do it with right. National Treasure. It got canceled after one season. They tried to do it with uh, the Mighty Ducks and that got canceled after two seasons. So I don't like and I know that they've already done the experiment with the young Indiana Jones series. It would be interested to see if they maybe like try to go back to that. Well, like try to revisit that, that, uh, that series. But, uh, Hey, you know, with this, with the $60 million opening weekend, there's a good chance it, it killed itself anyway. So (laughs) you probably don't have to worry about that. Here's the thing. That's just movies now. Like, that's just how it's going to be. Like people, like Hollywood needs to readjust its expectations for what an opening night looks like because people just, don't care to go to the theater anymore like it's if there's you been may- uh, was it, i know top gun cleaned house had have we had any movies this summer just fucking own or, or no. may like may june everything no. fucking bombed like everything was bad i mean the 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 flash was awful uh i Dude, mean the flash th- i i think the flash still hasn't caught up to black adam and, yeah. and they're like yeah rock it out of here yeah we like, don't need you <laughs> like the two dc movies they released since gun and, and whatever took over have been like the lowest grossing film Shazam two and the flash. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, both of those bombed, I mean, Indy did 60 million. Um, I don't even really know what else, like that elemental movie didn't do well either. Bombed, bombed, so like, yep, bombed. You, like, I think that like people just need to realize or like Hollywood industry execs need to realize that like you can't make movies for $250 million anymore. Get it lower. You know what? 
how do how do you like I, I had no clue that Antonio Banderas was just gonna randomly show up in this movie. I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> I'm pretty sure that guy's Antonio. And sure oh, yeah. enough, once he started talking, I was like, yeah, that's definitely Antonio. Yeah. So like, he's, I, I do uh, like. I mean, they had some famous faces in here, but it, it didn't feel like cameo time. You know, no. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, they they did a good job of like sprinkling in people that are like of a higher profile, like Antonio Banderas. And what's his name? Mads. I mean, Mads Mads is fucking great. The man. Yeah. He is the man. The man. Although how the how the not that I don't think this is a spoiler, but how the fuck do you survive that water tower clock at the beginning? Oh, yeah. (laughs) When I saw when I saw him back, I was like, oh, wow, he lived i did not expect that yeah i, I was at least <laughs> expecting like a bond villain thing where like half his face was like rusted metal or something but no nah, this fucking this little little bump on the head yeah little, yeah, little mean, egg, on, egg on the noggin no, no big deal seems to be fine <laughs> yeah uh um, yeah, yeah, hey it, it, the other thing and this is just to show you how fucked up the world is now because i think harrison a few weeks before it came out i was like yeah i think it's great watching nazis get punched and but there is a there's a faction of humans now that think that that's 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 woke. If you think beating up Nazis or seeing Nazis get fucked up is is not OK. But I, I always love when we get an indie movie and the main antagonists are the Nazis, which is probably why Temple of Doom is my least favorite, because yeah. that's the only movie where it's not Nazi riddled fucks that he is fighting with. Yeah, I mean, I think that like, well, Crystal Skull was was it that was russian yeah that was russian was it i i thought i thought they were german or what's her name was german uh, uh kate blanchett no uh, they they were russian um but i mean i think that that works well too um yeah i mean it, like indy definitely does best with when nazis are your primary villain because it's like easy timeless nobody can argue with it and the people that do argue with it don't and, matter um, anyway so who cares nick do you do you think the opening scene that that has to take place after the last crusade right because that's happening towards the end of world war ii where yeah the last crusade is like it's leading there. into world war ii right yeah i think it's 19 it's like late 1930 well yeah like late 1939 maybe like up to 1941 i think and the yeah the the end of this movie or the beginning of this movie took place in 1944 like late 1944 as the like the german army was starting to fade and hitler yeah. had already gone in right yeah they they were just they they were looting all the shit and that that's kind of how the opening scene started i i think the opening was fantastic by the way oh yeah it was super like fun. that that that's one of the obviously raiders is the iconic kind of cold indie open but I would put the Dial of Destiny up there for sure. I mean, uh, Last Crusade. If you think about now that the, the the flashback fake reveal, where that's great too. But I really, I I think the the opening in Dial of Destiny was was well done. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I I would recommend okay. going to see it. Um, yeah, I mean, like honestly, if you listen to critic reviews at this point in your life, I don't know what you're doing. Like, especially for a movie that's going to cost you $8 to go see. If you want to see it, just go see it. Um, I haven't looked at a review for anything that I've seen in fucking years. No, I never. Like, I I know as as we are reviewing something again, I mean, 
we're just two idiots. Yeah. But also like we should, we've basically stopped giving like numbered reviews to stuff. Like we used to like, yeah. here's a review, a numbered review on a game, but like we don't really do it anymore. And it's mostly because like one, if you're going to put out a numbered review of a game, it's so hard to do it if you don't have an early access copy and two, it's just like, just go fucking play it. Like I, I don't want to give people, uh, my opinions to sway them from forming their own opinion. Go form your own. No, I don't, I I don't, I used to go out of my way to, when I had my other channel to do like quick reviews, two minutes or less. I've stopped all that. If someone asks me, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and and lay it down for them. But uh, you gotta, you got to get back to forming your own opinion. Okay. Yeah. Take something in and then you decide if it's good or not. Don't, don't let a, a doomcock or someone like that tell you, no, this is how you should think. This is what you should think about it. Don't even worry about seeing it. Just keep saying what I've told you about it, even though you haven't seen it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I like this. I, I caught this too, uh, Trevor. $8. What IMAX theater are you going to, Nick? I'm like, shit, I, I need to go to movies in Texas because even like a, a matinee theaters. up here is like $14, <laughs> man. I mean, it's like, shit. I don't go to Nick's IMAX still theaters. old school, no reserved seats, no recliners. Like he's going, you, you know, you got to sit with the public. There might be a homeless guy in there. That's how you get the $8 uh, okay. tickets. That's, I'm sitting in a place for two and a half hours. I don't need reclining seats. I don't need all that bullshit. <laughs> I'm in and I'm Love out. It. So. Nah, see, I'm I'm a freak, man. If I can get to me, I think AMC's Dolby Atmos theaters are the best, better than IMAX, better than anything, because you got the best projector, the best sound. And to me, if you got video and sound on equal levels of quality, you, it doesn't get any better than that. Like IMAX is fun, you got the big screen, but half the time they didn't film on IMAX, so you're not even getting the full screen. Plus, the sound isn't Atmos. That spatial sound is godlike. I mean, I, I love it so much. I have surround sound out on my deck now. Like I leave it outside. That's how important sound is to me. All right. I, that's just another one of my problems. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they sell booze at Nick's too, but like you said, he's in and out. He I don't, don't fuck like, I don't eat. I don't drink when I'm at the movies. Like I, no. I sit down, that's I how watch it should the movie be. and I leave the theater. Like that's what I'm I with do. you. I, good for you. That <laughs> I, you, you go to movies correctly. People that go to movies and, and get dinners and a bunch of drinks and Slurpees and candy and chips. That's wrong. That's not the right way to watch a movie in public. It absolutely is the wrong way to do it. Especially if you picked your seat next to a stranger and then you're just sitting there for two and a half hours like, because I hear it all. I got that mental problem where I can't hear anyone chew, including myself. Do you have any of these sicknesses, Nick? No. No, um, I mean, Alamo Draft House is a pretty popular theater chain in Texas and people always eat in there. Like I just I'm just generally like also the theater that I go to is almost always like not full. So I don't have to worry too much about like, well, that's uh, worth it right there. Like I, I would probably like go to some low quality theaters if I knew it meant less humans. Oh, yeah. Like I'm all I, about like less yeah. humans. Anything with less humans is good. I just me. go to like there's a regular Regal Theater right near yeah, my house. Walk in it. There's almost nobody in line. Uh scan my unlimited. That's dude, you do like like old school. Nick's like back in the eighties, nineties. He's buying his ticket. He's he's calling the theater to get times or he's looking in the paper. I love it. Nick's like, fuck it. 
fuck this technology shit. Before you know it, you're going to see his phone fly across the room out the window. Easy, <sighs> easy. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, I enjoyed I, it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was fun. It's, it's, it's definitely a movie theater movie. I mean, if you're going to do any this summer, if, if it is expensive to go, you got a large clan, this would be a good one. I, I, I'm, I'm behind that. I'm looking forward to, obviously, Mission Impossible coming up. Be taking a little one to Barbie. That'll be interesting. What else we got coming out the, the rest of the summer? I know there's at least one or two more big ones. But good stuff here. I, I really, uh, I was a little concerned. You never know when they are bringing out these old heroes of our past, what it could look and feel like. But I actually think they used Harrison perfectly and complimented him with, with Phoebe and the supporting cast. And it, it, it makes sense. You're just like, yeah, yeah, this works. This, this doesn't seem too far-fetched outside of obviously it's a movie. Okay, like I get it, the, like the, the stunts and shit they do, it's like Fast and Furious, but hey, it's the motherfucking movies, have a little fun. Alright, so Spencer's saying Raiders is 38, and the beginning of Dial is, is 43, sure, works. I think the beginning of Dial is later than 43, because they said in I, the I would movie, think so. they said in the movie that it was late 1944. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Allies were pushing into deep Europe. I mean... Uh, they, yeah, they, and it was... Hitler I, was at least already, when I watched Nick... It, yeah, Hitler, they Hitler, already knew he was nuts, right? Well, they I said mean, that Hitler was already in hiding. Like, he said... Yeah, that, so like, he's in the he, eagle's nest, so... Yeah, so losing. that was 44. That was, like... That was mid to late 1944, because the war officially ended in 1945... Um, after, yeah, I mean, they weren't fighting a battle. They were literally looting that cathedral <laughs> to load up the, the, the shit to take back to Germany for the boss. Yeah. So, so. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure that it's nice. Now, now, now Raiders is set at 36. I, I love you guys. Keep coming. We're, we're all over the place. Yeah. Nobody knows. Uh, all right, here we go. Connor's coming in with the official Raiders is 36. Dials is 44. Crusade is 38. So in the end, I was right. Thank you. Okay. That's all that matters, right, people? As long as Matt's right, everything's good. Okay. Good stuff there. Check it out. We love Harrison. I saw a clip. He must have been in a fan screening. And, and as he was walking out, they started, dun da da dun dun da da And you'd think he'd be like, shut up! He actually, like, started conducting them. It's like... He is such a different person with Indiana Jones than he is with Star Wars. Oh, yeah. It's like he, he loves, loves Indiana Jones, loves the fandom, loves the franchise. Star Wars fucking despises it, wishes it never happened, and would probably stab George Lucas today if he could. Honestly, if you think about the filmmaking process for those two movies, Indiana Jones was probably way more fun to film. Like, unquestionably well, it, it, It's better fun. dialogue. Like, if you ever listen to Harrison talk about making Star Wars, you, you can tell he just, he fucking hated every aspect of it. The script, it, it, you know, being directed by George in the first movie, it was just, it, it just seemed like a nightmare. I mean, it, he famously wanted his character killed after the first movie. Like, he's like, I'm done. I'm done! Uh, but it, it is, like, I just, just research Harrison Ford responding to Star Wars questions. You're going to be like, this guy fucking hates Star Wars more than a doomcock. I mean, he fucking hates it. It's funny. But this, he'll play with the fans. So, 
Uh, I guess you're you're better off if you're dressed in your fedora when you run into Harrison if you're wearing your black vest. Okay, <laughs> just watch out. All right, real quick, and I don't I don't I doubt Nick's gotten into these. I've only watched the first episode. We're talking about Secret Invasion, and Nick, I'll leave it at this. This is good Marvel. Um, I know there's two episodes I haven't seen yet, but the the, the pilot definitely got me interested. I love most things Sam Jackson. I love most things like uh, spy, deep state type of shit, especially when aliens are involved and, you know, plots with Russia and America and yada, yada, yada. So I dig it. It it doesn't feel like the Marvel campy shit. Like this feels like a legit spy mystery drama thing. So... Uh, if you've been sleeping on Secret Invasion because of some of the Phase 4 and 5 stuff, this might be a good one to kind of come back and, and play with the MCU again on TV. Yeah, I I like, I want to watch it. I don't know. I mean, like, I know that I don't have to watch all the shit that comes before it because I really... No, nah, you don't. I haven't don't. watched basically anything. And, like, I, the only movie from Phase 4 that I actually watched was... Uh, Doctor Strange one, I think. And then, like, I, I just haven't watched anything Marvel-related in a while, so, like, I'm, like, super just behind on all of the stuff. Um, but I'm also, like, not in a position where I'm, like, I need to, I'm going to go back and watch everything and then watch Secret War, so no. I, I, I may... No, you, you don't. Yeah. I mean, Nick, I, I don't know where this fits in the time... Like, in the Marvel timeline, I think it's year 2025 now in the Marvel Universe... But in terms of, you know, Fury being the main character, it, it more or less picks up after Far From Home when you realize he's up on Saber. Like that. So you don't you don't need to watch any of the any of the other Which four and five stuff to get home? right into this uh, with Mysterio. OK, yeah, we saw, I saw that. And you know how like it was revealed the whole time that Fury and uh, Maria were actually Talos and Soren. Because yeah. Fury was up on the space station. So this this kind of picks up after that sort of like a year or two after that stinger where you realize like shit fury's up up in space gotcha. he wasn't dealing with peter this time that was talos so yeah it's good i don't know it just it, it feels a little more gritty maybe a little more phase one through three but less camp i mean it, it it's yeah. it, it's fairly dark but i'm not you know it's not like r-rated or anything crazy like that yeah i think like the only other like the thing that we Taylor and i just watched the first episode of yesterday was strange new worlds on uh paramount plus so damn um, it that's right that started how it was at like three episodes in at this oh, point geez, three that, or four. i'm talking about episode one like not oh okay two. yeah 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 you'll um like i've said before you know if, if you you're new here but any of the star trek content on on paramount plus is choice it, it's fantastic discovery's great strange new worlds is great and uh, the picard which is now wrapped after 3 seasons is great uh, if you if you've even been slightly entertained by star trek in the past these will all scratch that itch yeah. uh, i mean to me they are it, it's the best quality star trek out there i mean it, and and nick i know Strange New Worlds, I don't think it gets as hardcore as Discovery did, but it's it's like you're it's like an adult Star Trek. I mean, it's, there's dude, like fucking like, people getting blasted and and arms falling off and shit. I mean, it it's legit. Strange New Worlds. So like we watched the first episode, or we we watched the first episode of Discovery a while back, and Taylor just couldn't get into it. Like it it was just it didn't grab her. So we put that one down, 
And then it, it was a while before, I mean, like this was before we moved into this house when we tried to watch Discovery. And it was just yesterday that we watched Strange New World. And the response from her was night and day. Like Strange New World just like hit on a different level. I think it was like, it was a little, like the opening of Discovery was like very focused on like Klingon, like the Klingon relationship between, you know, like between them and, and the, uh, and Starfleet and stuff like that. There's the battle right off the bat and everything that happened. I feel like Strange New World, like kind of grounded you like in the current, like landscape of Starfleet and stuff like that pretty early. And like the first mission was like very fun where they're like going to a first contact. Well, they're going to like a, a distress call with a planet that's not ready for first contact yet, yet they have to make first contact. So it was, it was good. It was a fun first episode. So we're, we're definitely. And the best part, Nick is, I don't know how deep you've gotten into it, but it's all based on the first Star Trek pilot ever, where it was not Captain Kirk. It was the guy. And then they just replaced them with Shatner and they're like, oh yeah, here's, here's Star Trek again. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, but, but this is kind of crafting that, that uh, Pike's backstory. And the only reason I'm going to say you, you kind of have to go back to Discovery is Discovery launches Strange New Worlds. Yeah, I, I, like, I know that because they reference it like right up front. Right. Like they're like, yeah. well, the only reason that this planet it has been able to find war or create warp technology at this level, at this stage in their development is because they witnessed the discovery battle or something like that. And I was like, yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, like clearly Spock, something- let's just say Spock's got a pretty major thread in that season of discovery between his, his sister. Yeah. So um, I, I, forget I know that name. there's some of that. We'll see like what'll probably end up happening is like, we'll watch strange new world up until current and then like, see how, yeah, see if I can like, go back and get her to watch. It's worth it. It, it, it. Even if you can't convince Taylor, I promise you discovery is worth sticking with it. It's it's brings up some interesting stuff, some far future time travel and how they kind of reset the star Trek timeline to make certain things work. It's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. So, uh, good all stuff. right. Where you go. You guys are getting all sorts of non star Wars shit on today's episode of star Wars time show where there's always time maybe for star Wars time. Uh, but Hey, we're here. We're going to talk a little star Wars at this point in episode two sixty eight. So, Nick, based on some uh, set pick leaks from a, uh, what is this, Heaver Castle? Heaver for our, uh, our boys and girls in the UK. Is it, is it pronounced Heaver or Hever? Who cares? It's a castle over in Kent, England, all right? So if you're on the live stream, which you can join in, typically Tuesdays, 5 p.m. East on YouTube at Star Wars Time Show. But we got some graphics up, Nick, that uh, showed up on Reddit. And this Redditor out there kind of saw this shoot taking place, put two and two together and realized, hey, this is the same spot that they filmed some scenes in The Phantom Menace for Naboo. Uh, Sadly, they were cut. If anyone has ever seen the deleted Phantom Menace scenes, it's the scene where uh, they they show up in Naboo in the bongo. Yes, the bongo. And then that's George. That day he was just naming shit. He's like, yeah, call that alien bingo. Call that one Bango and call the ship Bongo. And he just had days like that. But anyways, Nick, they're getting off the Bongo to enter the city. The two Jedi, clearly, they can handle themselves. They swim through the river and they they get away. Jar Jar, on the other hand, is struggling. 
and he falls into the river and then goes over a, a waterfall. So there's a deleted scene. So the question is, if they're using this location to shoot Andor season two, one has to think that the show is going to make its way to Naboo. So Nick, do you think Naboo shows up and, and why, if it does, or do you think this is, they're just using it and through digital wizardry and, and other props, it's just going to become a whole new location that we've never been to before. Um, I think that, that Naboo could show up. I, I think that it is one of the planets that was, that was kind of, like just shunted to the side after the prequel series. Um, I don't think that, that they had much, I don't know if like there was just not much reason to go back to Naboo or if they like had specific storylines for Naboo on certain things and then decided to not follow up on them. I will say that like Na- Naboo as a planet in itself, because we don't have that much information about it, we don't know really how interconnected they are with the rest of the galaxy or like how they, they function with like well they they were still in the senate for the most oh, part yeah. you would think yeah yeah they're they're still in the senate and like they're still a part of you know the republic and then after that they were a part of the empire before the dissolution of the the imperial senate and stuff like that uh, but it's like it seems like a planet that doesn't have a lot going on there for lack of a better term other than the initial kind of spark that kicked off the entire downfall of yeah. the Republic. Um, Here, here's, yeah. I, I position Naboo and I actually have this as a special topic one day. I, I don't want to get into the weeds today, but I look at Naboo as like an, an, an Alderaan where they're just, they're like a, a, a freedom rights loving planet in the galaxy. And there was very few of those planets in the galaxy that, we're truly all about doing the right thing. Um, I mean, it, it just, I mean, look from what Padme tried to do with her power as queen to senator. I mean, hell, it was the Nabooians that helped Grogu escape, for Christ's sake, during Order 66. If you get into the comics, you literally had the Amidalans form, and they were a rebel cell. So they were already getting into rebel activity as soon as the Republic fell. So I have always looked at Naboo as a, a planet that is always up for fighting for what is right. And if you kind of juxtapose that with the what's happening in Andor, specifically Andor Season 2, we're going around the galaxy trying to build this rebel alliance. Cassian, Luthen, uh, Vel, whoever making a trip to Naboo just lines up because, yeah, why not? I mean, Naboo would definitely be a planet, a beacon, if you will, for freedom fighters. Yeah. So I, I could most definitely see w- getting right in the feed and seeing, you know, do they still have their monarchy? Is there a queen? Is there a king now? H- how is Naboo being run? Who is running the resistance? Is is a Cassian mean with them? Or is Naboo big enough that it's a Luthan contact? You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I do think it, it is going to be Naboo and, and feed in particular, I hope. Yeah, I, I mean, I do hope they go back there because I do want to see just like how, like, almost like a check-in on the planet it also like i don't know like if this is just the vibes that i get from what we saw in the content that we have from naboo but like it also gives me the sense that like they're they're more of an affluent society like it seems like there's a lot of money to be had on naboo yeah 
So, and, and as and, we know... And poor, poor, uh, poor reptilian-like things that live under the water. Yeah, I mean, other than... But they uh, are friends. They did become friends after the battle in Naboo. So yeah. we can at least, as uh, Jay Patrick said here, you know, they, they, they weren't on the best of terms with Gungans, but they did come together and, and you know, yeah. Jar Jar was put into the Senate. So yeah, at the end... They, they got of, past some of that. Yeah, I think at the end of episode one, there was like a definitely a coming together of the species, the Gungans. Jay Patrick, you are right. Uh, that is one caveat in my Naboo is kind of a planet of peace. Yes, uh, Sheev Palpatine there. is from there, and he essentially was the darkest thing that ever yeah. <laughs> happened to the galaxy. So yeah. that, that negates my my theory a little bit, but that's why it's a special topic for another day so we can dive deeper so into it. But Yeah, so I think that like maybe it could be like a... I mean, the first thing, the first mission that Cassian ever goes on in Andor is like, hey, we need to... Get fucking money. That's basically what it was. Get money to help us fund this rebellion because rebellions don't grow on trees and neither does money. Like you need to fund it. So maybe this is like another, uh, another opportunity to try to secure more funds for their rebellion efforts or something like that. I could see that being a thing. I could also see it, uh, you know, them meeting up with potential like, Captain Tanaka. I mean, we haven't seen Tanaka in a while. We knew that he was friendly to. Well, hey, that's a that's a good point because, yeah, timeline wise, the the handmaidens would be very active at, at running the Amidalans on the planet. Uh, so uh, Sabe, Rabe, all of them have potential to show up. I, I mean, Kira Knightley, bring her back, right? She yeah. she played a, a handmaiden. Uh, I think she played Sabe, in fact. And Sabe did, it yeah. played played such a major role in the Darth Vader comic timeline again in between Empire and Return of the Jedi that it would be cool to kind of see her in live action again. Yeah. Fighting think- for freedom before all the dark shit happens with her and Vader in the comics. Yeah. So I, I think that, like, there's a lot to to go over on Naboo. There's a, there's like a lot of time to cover in terms of like where they're sitting in their, their rebellious stance, where they're like, you know, what kind of support are they giving to the rebellion? Are they trying to stay quiet at this time? Because we know that in Andor, it's, it's like a burgeoning time of rebellion. It isn't quite like it was when we were in episode four timeline or even like rogue one timeline where the rebellion itself was a little bit more of a cohesive unit. Um, especially in Rogue One towards the end, like where, like, are, are they, are they going there? Is, is Luthen going there to try to convince them to, to like, Hey, give some resources to the rebellion. Think about sending people over to help with the rebellion. So I think, I, it, yeah, I would, I would think so. Yeah. I mean, I, it, to me, Nick, the, the main focus of Andor season two is going to go beyond like, we need our resources. I think it's going to shift to, okay. These cells are developing. We're out in the open now. Now, how do we bring this all together? Like, how, how do we how do we wrangle the souls of the world uh, and, and have them work together with Mon Mothma and, and ultimately muster up on Yavin 4 there at the Masasi Temple? Yeah, so <sighs> I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there because it is like it's one of those. OK, if you think about all of the other like prequel locations, like we've been back to Mustafar, we've been back to Coruscant. Been back to Tatooine, obviously a, a, a million times. <laughs> a few times, like, a few times. You know, 
I think Naboo. You is- are right. Yeah, they, we we've stayed away from Naboo. I mean, I I could see it making an appearance in the Mandalorian again. Hopefully, paying off more on Grogu's flashback, considering he left on a, uh, you, you know, a J type Nubian cruiser. Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, we should get Nick to do his Toydarian voice. <laughs> I didn't like. I I did not do so. Like the. Uh, <laughs> Teaser for the upcoming episode of, of Scoundrels of the New Republic. We do have a little bit more time with our uh, Tordarian friend Prepo on there. So uh, I don't, I'm not sure. Did we put that out yet already? I don't even know. No, I was I was sitting on it to see what we were going to do this week. But since we're our happy asses are yapping live, um, I am going to hold it. Um, do you think I, I mean... There's a potential, I, I know it's going to be a date in early August where I'm going to be out. We could hold it for that unless you just want to roll them out. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I had fun. I mean, I've had fun in the three we've done, but this one, I do feel like we're we're hitting a some sort of a special cadence Finding for our a group, rhythm, if you will. And then also, I think <laughs> that like you, like you guys as players are really figuring out like who your characters are, how like what your character's dynamic is within the group. Because I think that like when you start out a brand new campaign, especially one like this, where like you guys have created your own custom characters, you guys have created your own backstory. Um, this is a completely like custom story that we're telling too. like it takes time for you guys as players to figure out like, OK, well, how does my character interact with the other characters around me? And then figuring out like group dynamic and stuff like that. So. I think yeah, well, that uh, par- my, my character is know. hard to interact with with any other character. But that I'm like I said, I, I always when when I got into this, I was like, I'm going Ewok Berserker and I'm going Method and there's going to be no compromise. And I think I compromised a little bit, Nick. I actually let Zavu like try to do some peaceful stuff this time. Yeah. But I I did kind of I did get my kill. I always got to get a kill. That's <laughs> like my my episode goal. Every goal I'm fighting something whether the team wants to or not, <laughs> and I typically do copious amounts of spice. My that character. Is also true. Uh, yeah, literally like th- th- this kind of a theme in this episode the mission where Matt Lou uh, again his spice problem kind of bubbles up and causes issues for the team. Oh, yeah. So there, there's your tease. <laughs> it's called Chapter two. Yeah. The mission. The mission. Um, yeah, I mean, we're so it went well. It was super fun. It was a shorter <laughs> episode than the last two. And um, I, I don't want to perhaps tease it yet, but we do have another person that is interested in, in becoming a player in the game. So if we can uh, figure out something around them, you may see a, a new face on the episode right. after uh, episode two. Jay Patrick nailed it. Cocaine Ewok. I mean, that's basically that's basically pretty much Matt it. Played. I think someone posted the it's like the cocaine bear poster in our discord, but it's with Wicket. It, it's mean, like it, it is. It's something like cocaine Ewok, but it is. That's me. And that's how I play my role. I don't have a lot of compromise in my Ewok. Uh, but when shit hits the fan, I take care of business. Yeah, so uh, just leave it at that. Stay tuned for the drop of episode two. Uh, we'll let you guys know when it's gonna. I hit just like YouTube. I weave in of either just saying yub nub or or speaking caveman or just talking like I do. So I haven't perfected my my character voice yet. Uh, but we, we all do. Like Trevor tries an Aussie accent on Zavu, and sometimes he slides into it. Sometimes he doesn't. So it's fun. Uh, I mean. Uh, it, it's accents a good time. Are, are hard to do, and especially 
Like for, for you guys, accent's a little easier because that's the only accent that you're talking in. For me, as everybody other than you yeah. guys, it's hard hard for me to, to Nick's try to do try. Accent. I mean, it, at, at one point, I tried to convince the guys to do subtitles for me. Yeah. And all I would say is, yum, nom, yum, yeah. nom, yum. I, 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 I put an end to that one pretty quickly. I yeah, because like, yeah. it would. It would have to be Nick. Like, I'd have to be like, yum nub, yum nub, yum nub. And Nick would have to, like, Han Solo, he would essentially be my translator. Yeah. And then so Matt he, would have be to be doing type, double duty. Yeah, he would have to type to me what he wants to say. And then I would have to, I was like, I'm not doing that. Oh, my that. God. That'd be fucking fantastic. That'd be a bigger shit show than it already is. But I think people would love the uh, the train wreck. That that seems to be our MO. Thank <laughs> you. All right, Matt Lou, what do you say? Click, 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 click. Yub nub, yub nub, yub yeah. nub, yub nub. And Nick goes, yeah, he says this. <laughs> yeah, that would be just. Matt Lou says this. Oh, shit. Oh, man. All was... right. Okay, sorry. Back on track. <laughs> I, sometimes I think I drive Trevor nuts during these things, but it's fun. All right. So, yeah, I, I think this Naboo uh, thing is is definitely going to appear in Andor. I don't, I don't think they're, they're repurposing it for another location. Uh, and if it, they are busting out Naboo, Nick, I could see it being reserved for, for top tier. So Cassian or, or Luthan or both, you know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't think you send just a, like a Vel to Naboo or maybe Cyril goes there looking for clues, but it, it, it feels like a Luthan stop first and foremost, maybe with, with Cassian in tow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it also, I mean, at this point, too, the people who are running the rebellion and everybody knows that the emperor is from Naboo. So, like, maybe it could have something to do with that. They're like, can we find any more information on this guy? I like Like, that. You know, that is also something that, that, like, just in terms of, like, general canon, now that we don't have a lot of information on is, like, Palpatine's origins. Like, we know that his... Master, was, I would love that. I would was, love that. You know, like maybe something they're trying to find out. Like, does this guy have a weakness? Does he have any family that we could try to, you know, exploit or something like that? You know, in really or kind is of is it? I guess no. They they are still believing that he's Sheev Palpatine, and he's just been disfigured by the Jedi, right? Like they, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think okay. that that was yeah, that, yeah. They, they they don't know like he's a, a a Sith Force user, do they? At this point, I don't, I don't think, think so. Because so, it was like I no. don't know if he ever has come out to the galaxy. I mean, Kira, and that's where again, that's where the comics come in and kind of fill in gaps. But it, it seems like Kira is like the only non Force user or like power player in the galaxy that kind of figured out that Palpatine and Vader are Sith, yeah, and not just two mean motherfuckers, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, all right. There's a lot of possibilities for for Naboo. There is, Andor. like, okay, we've we've said this before. We we you know we'd sit here and jerk each other off if we got a Darth Vader live action, whatever. Just getting inside the mind of the man. We've kind of had his his prequel, his backstory, not done in the best manner, in my opinion, via the prequels. Clone Wars definitely helped clean that up. But would you would you be just as down and and excited for a like a Sheev prequel? Yeah, I mean, like kind of learning about him, like seeing both sides of his life when he was younger, where he was the diplomat and the, you know, the, 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 the smooth talking politician. But, you know, at night after he would do a shift in the Senate, he's hanging out with Darth Plagueis or whatever, learning the, the dark ways of the Sith. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's opportunity for that for sure. It's it, like 
for being as big of a main character as Palpatine is, like he's he's probably the one that we know the least about his backstory. I mean, we have we know everything about Anakin, like other than yeah. his his birth and like with the, um the certainty of his birth, but like we know yeah. all of it, you know. And um, with his the kind of the way they position him in the Rise of Skywalker is like you 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 had the Palpatine line of Force greatness and the Skywalker line of Force greatness too unchallenged lines in the force that's never been seen before it's produced this dyad right like it's so potent they produced a dyad in the force where the fuck that is so yeah he's he's very important they're saying essentially palpatine's line of force goo is just as important historical uh, masterful powerful as the skywalker jizz so yeah i think he needs i you know you know what i want to see what what led him down that path yeah was uh, Sheev always fucked up? Was did he always have a desire to conquer the galaxy through arcane Sith powers, or did something happen? Uh, was he a you know just loaded with Force goo as a kid? Did he ever train as a Jedi? Like I, I like you would think someone as as potent in the Force as Palpatine would have popped up on the fucking radar of the Jedi. He didn't, or did he? We don't know. So yes, let's go. We're writing the fucking script right now. Pay us. <laughs> pay us lucasfilm yeah so uh, <sighs> I, I i would love to see more on on palpatine yeah. whether it be through this i mean can't really you probably can't get into it and and act like because it's a little no too no 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 if, no. if y- anything y- you may be able to dabble in like sidious sidious was probably or not sidious uh plagueis was around sidious is palpatine obviously plagueis was probably around may have been around during the time of the uh acolyte, the acolyte. I believe that as far as we know, um, he was a mun or like Plagueis was a mun, uh, M-U-U-N, moon, mun. I don't know how to say it. Um, yeah. And, and there's some people saying he's a fucking Nemoidian. So it's like he's definitely not. I don't think humanoid. He's at least if he's definitely not cover, humanoid. Well, I guess he is humanoid if he has two arms and two yeah, legs. No, he's he's, he's a, humanoid for sure. <laughs> um, I mean. I don't know. I'll just look it up and see if like who he is or what he's listed as. He in on canon in Wikipedia or Star Wars Wiki, he's a mun, M U U N. He's a moon, mun, whatever the fuck it means. But he that's what he is. Um Isn't and that I, the banking clan people? Or the banking clan, the munalists? Maybe. <laughs> Clovis Rush was yeah, so Clovis was a uh, intergalactic banking clan senator. Clovis Rush was ra- uh, well, raised he, by a family was, of Muns. He was a, he wasn't okay. a Mun, but he was raised by them. Um, yeah, I think that. Yeah. He, okay. Yeah. You're. Yeah. Th- these were the banking clan people. Yeah. I, I got an image up now. They got the very elongated faces. Yeah. Exactly. They don't. The best dude their... image for Mun Star Wars and Olivia Mun shows up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, it's yeah, like I don't know what their their lifespan is. Uh, usually, alien non-human like humanoid species are a little bit longer lifespan than than like straight up humans are. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, mean, I look at the, I look at the muns. I'm like, how the fuck could they have been strong in the force? I mean, they they look like assholes. You know, you look like you just snap them in half without the force. You just walk up and punch them in their guts, and their whole body would fold over. Uh, yeah, I mean, hey. Uh, all right. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think she even, but 
this, this Jay Patrick person here makes a good idea. Palpatine prequel would be good, but would have to be very well done. Much like Yoda, the mystery adds to the character. Palpatine needs to be a sociopath from day one, but just reveal it slowly. All right. Yeah, that's what I see. Like, is Palpatine the kid at, at like nine or ten who's who's pulling the wings off a of Gundarks and laughing at it and seeing what happens, you know, or, or or grabbing a womp rat and and stabbing it in the stomach and seeing how long before it bleeds out? Like, is that the type of shit Young Shi was into? Or was he studying the uh, Naboo politics or galactic politics? And he's just like, you know what? Fuck this shit. It's going to be way easier if I just become a Sith and take over the galaxy than try to do this politically. Yeah. I mean, just it, it, it will be. Uh, yeah. If, if that gets made, and I think that there's probably good reason for it to get made. Um, that, Which that means it great. won't. Like, yeah. like any, any good idea we uh, fans could come up with is never going to get made. So just... Just, hey, keep that fan fiction in your heads, my friends. All right. Shifting away from that into James Mangold, the uh, director of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the first first person to do that be, uh, outside of Steven Spielberg. And I, I, I read something where I think Spielberg turned around after he said, he's like, God damn it, James. I'm supposed to be the only one that can make a good Indiana Jones movie. And uh, you, you got to love Steve saying that. Um, but we're not talking about any more Dial of Destiny with Mr. Mangold. We're talking about some uh, interesting quotes he dropped while he was out promoting Dial of Destiny. Okay, um, So this comes from the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast on YouTube, one that actually gets viewed by more than 10 people. And James was there talking to uh, their host who seems to be in with a lot of Hollywood elites dude definitely gets the coverage but uh, an interesting thing came up and he kind of asked me he's like you know james we've kind of heard that you were potentially working on a boba fett project at some point in time and james just flat out it was like yeah i was and and i I do think lucasfilm has tried to be like yeah no that's it's all rumor bullshit but i I tend to trust the directors because they're they're usually not going to go out and tell stories out of the fear of getting blacklisted in Hollywood. So he, I, I think James is telling the truth here. When asked, was he attached to a, a Boba Fett film? And, and he very much was, Nick. And he explained that he went as far as to kind of having a general script prepared. So he was actually writing it as well. And the reason we're talking about this and uh, I just is our question of the week. It's an interesting thing to think about a what if, if you will, But he comes out and he said that his take on Boba Fett would have been borderline R-rated, a one-planet spaghetti western starring our guy. So it would have been, you know, just a movie set on a planet, spaghetti style, with a leaning R-rating, which means language is dialed up, violence obviously is going to be dialed up. I mean, if you're pushing R, you probably have... Not that you'd have this in Star Wars, so it probably was more violence-based, but, you know, you're probably getting, like, headshots, uh, body parts getting blown off or amputated, and, and you get to see it. Uh, but clearly, that never happened. And, and he went on to say, he's like, listen, the world wouldn't have been able to embrace Baby Yoda because he kind of didn't really belong in the world I was envisioning. Uh, so, Nick, it sounds like James was going for a much more hardcore take on the character, uh, maybe closer to what people probably wanted. Uh, it sounded like it, it would have been closer to the Boba Fett that 
people used to explain to me that showed up in Legends and comics, and he was such a badass. So my question to you, would you have wanted this over what we got? So um, a, a, a like a like an R-rated Boba Fett solo movie or the book of Boba Fett where we got a little more time to kind of meet the 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 real character of of young Boba. I mean, I think it's like it's so hard to tell that because the storylines would have been so different. Um, I think that an R-rated Boba Fett movie would be super interesting because I think it would allow for an exploration of the character that you can't really do with like, you know. I mean, essentially, like, content that's made for, like, teens or that are made for, you know, like, a more uh, all-ages audience. Uh, I think it would have done that character a little bit differently. And I think I think that for, like, on another note, I think that Tamira would have had more fun with it. Um, yeah. I, I would have liked to see it just because it would have been such a departure from what you typically see out of Star Wars, even that what you've seen out of the Star Wars, you know, the Book of Boba Fett TV show, which was essentially um, like an extension of the Mandalorian with Boba Fett kind of taking the reins as the main character. I think that there's still opportunity to do stuff like that, but I just don't know if there's going to be interest. I think that, I think that at this point, studios really need to figure out what the movie landscape looks like because the movie landscape itself is in such a weird position right now. Um, but I do think that an R-rated Boba Fett film, having him come back and, and like, you know, maybe try to take revenge on the people who put him in the situation that he was in. I don't know. Like, I don't know what his story was about. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the thing, Nick. He didn't get into, would this have been pre-death? You know, pre-Sarlacc, post-Sarlacc, uh, he didn't really get into that. So we, so we don't know. And I get that does open up the question of, all right, if, if it's pre-Sarlacc, then fuck yeah, let, let's go. Because that, that should be the very cold, hardened, bounty hunter, scoundrel-like Fett. You know, the guy that was depicted in the War of the Bounty Hunters a few years back. That, that guy. Very clever, wily, but doesn't fuck around. I mean, dude, he was... I told you, he, he like took out Zuckus and Forlom. He took out Dangar. I mean, he he was fucking them all up, like trying to kill them, but usually maimed them pretty bad, and they could come back and and fight another day. Uh, now, if it was post Sarlacc, I here here's here's my take on this question, and obviously we'll get into this with the fans for the question of the week. I do like what happened with Boba Fett in the book of Boba. Um, but I also do agree that he did feel a bit neutered. Like there was almost zero of his harshness left in him, which, Hey, if he's sitting in an acid bath for a while and get beat up by Tuscans and, and learn the value of family. Yeah. That, that probably could happen to a human, but like Tam has said, and some others, it, it would have been nice if book of Boba was a little edgier in terms of the action and uh, it would have been nice to see Boba slip into his old ways here and there as he was progressing towards becoming a little bit more of a more well-rounded uh, bounty hunter assassin type of character. Uh, so I don't know. Like, like I said, I, I, I do like the, the book of Boba Boba, but I would have loved to have seen 
the boba that all of you, you know, used to yell at me about and where we had the big blow up with some fans where, you know, I, I was kind of coming out there, the, you know, bozo fed, that type of shit. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're probably new here. Go back into the archives and look for it. It was a fun time on the show. <laughs> I'd get essentially dress people down by name and they didn't take too kindly to that. But I just, I always thought Boba Fett was a bum. I mean, based on what you got in the OT, he had, I think, three or four lines and had Darth Vader and Empire do everything for him. And when it was his time to shine, he got killed by a blind guy in an accident. It just, it was silly. Like, he was just a silly character that never looked tough outside of his badass armor. So I would li- I would have liked to have seen that, you know, kind of come to light. Like, show me that Boba Fett. Show me the one that all you read in Legends and comics that was this big badass motherfucker. That would have been cool to see. But, I, you know, with hindsight, I do like the, the more benevolent Fett with the caveat. It would have been nicer if Book of Boba was a bit more hardcore. Yeah, I, I mean, Book of Boba Fett was definitely like the low point for me in, in the current run of Star Wars shows. I mean, I think that like it was an interesting. I think that there were just a lot of mistakes in that show. There were a lot of mistakes in terms of like character development that should have been given to Boba Fett but weren't. There was a lot of issues with them just like if they if they wanted to just make another season of the Mandalorian they should have instead of just saying like, Hey, we're going to make a Boba Fett series, but really like half the show is dedicated to. Yeah. Out of seven episodes, he gets four and a half. Din gets the other, (laughs) the other two and a half. And like, that's like, I think that that was a mistake. I think that there was just a lot of like, and, and, and I don't know like who to, you know, I'm not trying to place blame or anything like that, but like that, like, I don't know whose decision it was to essentially have that be like a split down the middle kind of series. Um, it's gotta be Fav. I mean, it is Favreau. He wrote the damn thing. I mean, I know Rodriguez show ran it, but Favreau wrote the story for book of Boba Fett hundred percent. And it it just like, it was, it, it felt like an interlude story for him. Whereas I think that they could have actually used it to not be an interlude story and actually be way more about character development and like setting him on a path because essentially all of the shit that happened in the book of Boba Fett doesn't matter anymore because he's like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Like he, he (laughs) at the very end as he wins, he's like, yeah, this kind of sucks. Yeah. He's like, he, you get all of this like build up to him becoming this daimyo or whatever shit that they tagged on it. And then at the end of the show, he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. So you've essentially just like, you took all of the time in the show to get him to a certain point and then say like, well, none of that matters anymore because (laughs) he doesn't like, now he's choosing let's not go to do back it. to kicking ass and yeah. taking names and like the character Fennec. development that he experienced was was so limited to basically like hey i don't need to be a lone wolf anymore like that's basically the only thing that that he yeah. got out of that yep. show so like i don't know and I, um it, it's it's now looking like the book of book of boba is is that's it like uh, yeah, I mean, I, from I, I the don't... from MSW, it seems yes, Boba will appear in the Mandoverse again, but not in his own series. It'll be Mando season four or Tagalon type of stuff. Huh. All right, so continuing with Mangold, uh, he also did confirmed that uh, this Boba Fett, his R rated, got scrapped because of the Solo Gate, 
if you will now, because it is, it's a gate. Like, Solo is a gate. Just like Gamergate, Watergate, Impeachment Gate, it's a gate. Because it's bullshit. It's all you cranky people out there that are, are going to get, you know, they're never going to make anything because of, of your little boycott. Hey, Commander Gree, how's it going? All right, so um, I, don't, I don't know if this is interesting, but it, it, it could be. Uh, but Mangold, you know, he, he did, Nick, in this interview, talk a little bit about Don the Jedi, which he has been tapped to do if it sees the light of day. Who the fuck knows, right? I mean, we over here in the Star Wars Time show, we have decided that we will believe a movie is being made when we see the first trailer. Uh, I don't care about set picks, leaks, announcements, posters. I, I just, the way things have gone with Lucasfilm Cinema, I just can't believe anything until they've dumped enough money into it where they're comfortable putting a trailer out. But let's just say this all comes to, comes to be. He gets his Don the Jedi set 25K before TPM. And, uh, you know, in this interview, Nick, he's like, yeah, you know, the movie's going to be about the Don of the Jedi, but we're probably not going to use that term. And for some reason, the Internet's like, what, what? I'm like, well, it makes complete sense. Like, uh, if you didn't, if the Jedi didn't exist before the Don, how would they know to call themselves Jedi? So uh, I I dig that. I, I honestly, if this movie gets made, this is like my type of film. Yeah. Like deep, 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 deep lore building like the beginning of it all that, that this is the type of shit that gets me excited it's like in, in the 90s when the prequels were made my little teen brain was just non-stop waiting for those insiders to come oh they could do this oh they could do this i hope we see this i hope we see anakin do that blah 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 i love this shit so the idea that we're gonna see these force beings kind of coming together and figuring out that they have these powers and that uh, they can form this order and do good with these powers. And you know, some will probably choose the opposite and do bad. Uh, but I, I think it'd be cool to kind of see the moment where they're like, yeah, we are the Jedi. Yeah. I mean, that is something that was like, you know, obviously goes into, you know, legends and stuff like that now. And, and the exploration of the discovery of the force is probably what that's going to be based around. We already know that Tython's been recanonized, so I expect that they they will lean heavily on that planet in or that, that'd be nice, you think? Like maybe they'll show the 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 seeing stone being erected in an actual temple that we only see the guts of in the Mandoverse. That's yeah, what I mean, Nick. Like you have all that potential. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton, and like you in in the Star Wars The Old Republic MMO. You, if you play light side characters, if you play a light side like Jedi character, force user character, like you spend a lot of time on Tython. Uh, you go back to Tython a lot because that's where you start. Like you start your journey as a light side Jedi character in Star Wars The Old Republic on Tython. And if you are a light side user, whether you be a smuggler or uh, a trooper or something like that, you end up on Tython at some point in your journey. And that's because that is where, you know, in old canon and in, in, in now legends, like that's where the force was first discovered. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like it is now in, in Star Wars where like the force is just everywhere. Like there was the discovery in, in midichlorians. Thanks, you know, George. 
there was the discovery of the force on Tython. And that's how the first force users came about is like, they were on this planet and they found this source of power and they communed with the source of power and, and they were instilled with it. And, and the Jedi order J E and I'm talking about J E D A I I not J E D I now, like it is now, like that order sprung up, you know, 36,000 years before the uh, the Battle of Yavin, like before episode four. So, I mean, like what was happening at that time in Legends canon was a lot of just like discovery. And it, there was no Jedi and Sith yet because there was no differentiation between the two sides of, of this power at that time yet. Like they knew like the people were still learning, like, what is this? How can we use it? And all of this, like, in you know, what does this mean for the greater, you know, galactic civilization and how is this going to affect everything else? I mean, it, th- there's a lot that can be discovered there. And I'm really, I really do hope that this is one of the films that actually kind of gets through the gauntlet yeah, and actually gets made yep. because yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of information yes. that can be uh, gained and a lot of cool uh, story that can be told around the foundation, like the founding of the force, the foundation of the Jedi order. And then ultimately the schism between, you know, what has now become Jedi and Sith, because at one time there were, they were one, uh, they, there weren't two factions, uh, you know, you could go into yeah, the see, force wars and all this other I, type of stuff. That I want this to become the, the new trilogy. I know a lot of people have freaked out because, you know, Kathy has said like, hey, we 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 did what George set out to do. We completed the Skywalker saga. And I don't think she's wrong. I don't think that's an inflammatory statement either. I mean, George Lucas, for fucks, sure, is going to have ideas about 25,000 years before and this, that and the other thing. But that that was never really his playground. That, that, that was always EU authors. Right, Nick? I mean, George it's yeah. not like he he's like no it has to be this or these people the jedi I, I, I. people have been playing in his universe for decades but now oh, yeah. all of a sudden it's a big problem that he hasn't owned it for a I mean, decade he didn't like you know every like back in the day like everything had to you know all of the the novels had to be approved but lucas right, was right, not but, the one doing the approval um you know that was Leland and that's why you know I, I i never really got into the eu stuff because i was like if if this guy if it's not from him it ain't real but we still have people that believe that when they have to they have to realize george let this thing go voluntarily for four billion dollars he said you know what someone else play with it and that's okay that was his choice disney's choice to buy it disney's choice to hire new creatives to play in it so it's okay like George wanted this to happen. It's always happened. We've always had non-George stories fleshing out the yeah. random corners of Star Wars since it started. It was it's just, you know, it's a keyboard warrior social media. It just amplifies all the bullshit. Yeah. Is what I mean, it is. It, it, and a lot of those old legend stories are some of my favorite Star Wars content out there. I mean, even <laughs> aside from like Knights of the Old yeah. Republic, the, the, the game, like, Darth Bane trilogy, you know, like that was an incredible. No, you're not story. wrong. Like, like what, what Bioware did with KOTOR, it really is one of the greatest Star Wars stories, especially set in that era that George wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. I like, mean, I really do think George was George 
was concerned with the Skywalkers and the Skywalkers only. Yes, things branched off and built from that, but that was his his mission. Yeah, he he wanted to get one movie done. Once that, you, you know, uh, he figured out, okay, I made some money. And he's like, all right, I'm going to tell the other two, and then I'm going to go back and tell how we got here. That's yeah. what he wanted to do. Yes, he had light scripts for seven, eight, nine, and but hey, guess what? He sold those to Disney too, and they said no, thank you. I don't agree with that. I think Bob should at least looked at him and maybe said, hey, Kathy, let's let's try to use some of this or at least let it guide us. And hey, by the way, let's not let random artists do every movie. Let's try to have one one writer or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I, I do hope Don the Jedi, whatever the fuck it's going to be called. I don't, I don't think that's the real name. I I hope it sees the light of day. I hope it's great. And I hope he he and Lucasfilm have plans to keep playing in that era. Like, I, I really don't want this to be a one and done. Like, how, how do you do a one and done on the Don the Jedi? It'd be weird unless it's a three hour movie. I mean, it's just like, you know, people playing around campfire. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at the light. Oh, look, we can float rocks. Let's you, you know, let's use our powers for good. Oh, look at that asshole. He's killing people with it. That's bad. The end. You know what I mean? Like they, 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 you got to establish some uh, a hero, the bad guys and girls. You got to set up, you know, their, their, what are, what are their motivations? Who are we going to follow? Who, who, who's going to kind of deliver the narrative to the audience? And I don't know. I feel like that 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 suits itself for more than one film. Yeah, but definitely. We shall see. I mean, it, it could definitely be an opportunity to really. I mean, like I look at it as an opportunity to really be the jumping off point for exploration yes. and expansion of the old republic. And I think that that yeah, like is. Here's, it's just here's the most Disney's. interesting time in Star Wars. Period. It's not even yeah. close. Well. Nick, you also you're so far removed from the the attraction and the nostalgia of the Skywalker saga too. Like you can fucking do whatever you want. Oh yeah, I mean like there were twenty five thousand Skywalkers. Like, there's there's there no fucking no chosen ones. There's there there's none of this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, it's literally like I I envision it now that you kind of gave me a picture. It's it's you know they're probably not like Neanderthals and, and cavemen, but you know, simpletons almost. Like there is an understanding that like even pre force, the star Wars galaxy was way is more advanced, advanced than our galaxy is. I know now. That, that's, that's what I mean. It wasn't, it wasn't a good example, but that's kind of like what I'm, it's like these people that discover the force, you know, they, they could be like, Ooh, Ooh, Ooh. You know, like a space odyssey and, and worshiping yeah, yeah. the monolith type of shit. So, <laughs> you so yeah, I mean, never know. also, uh, don't forget that like before, like when the force is first discovered, lightsabers are not a thing. It was literally, they had swords, like physical swords that were just imbued with force power. Like you could see force power just flowing through the blade itself. So I'm very interested to see exactly how they are going to like handle that, like and in, in stuff. I, I like this. This is one of the more interesting projects for me overall, and I really do hope that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. So I guess that's a good thing because our next topic is related to James Mangold's Don the Jedi. 
So everyone's favorite studio exec, Kathleen Kennedy, was sitting down with Game Radar. I, I, I think their sister outlet grabbed this. I, I, I don't see someone like Kathy meeting with Game Radar. But anyways, um, she was she's talking about the, the you know, the, the Daisy Ridley Ray movie that we know is a thing. If it is a thing, I mean, they, they at least walked out the talent on stage at celebrations. Hey, we're doing a thing. So we'll see. But she was asked kind of how the Ray movie is going to break new ground, considering that she won't be the first character to try and rebuild the Jedi Order. I mean, you got to I mean, that's essentially what the sequel trilogy was supposed to show <laughs> through Luke. And OK, uh, we've seen this before. You, you know what I'm saying, Nick? Like we've seen a powerful force user trying to rebuild the order. So anyways, here's what Miss Kennedy said. I think what's always great about Star Wars it's a, it's is it's a big galaxy and we're coming off what was a major war with the First Order. And now Rey has made a promise to Luke and that's really the core of where we're going and what this story will be. And I think it offers just tremendous opportunity to introduce new characters and start with something fresh because we culminated with what George was creating and now we take all of that and move it to the next. That's it. Okay, that's a statement that got people fired up last week. All right. But hopefully if you're normal and you heard me read that, like that to me there's that's not inflammatory whatsoever, correct? Yeah. What she's saying about what George. In, what what is inflammatory? Well, Nick, they I think they take it as like George is God and the fact that she's saying we're moving on from God is like a it's a cardinal sin, I guess. I don't know. Honestly, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so but, but either way, so, you know, we're moving to the next chapter of yada, yada, yada. Um, and, and this is where she kind of, she, she starts to talk about how the Ray movie is going to link to the movie we just talked about. Uh, you know, Ray's trying to rebuild the order. Don the Jedi is showing how the order came to be. So uh, she, she goes into... James movie and, and how the order came to be and that this is a, an era that George himself was interested in. And she said, that's come up a lot from the moment I stepped in and George brought me into the company. There's been a lot of interest in that. So apparently the maker does have some ideas on the Dawn of the Jedi. I would just hope if he is physically well, that uh, they let him, or they let Mangold at least talk to him, okay? Uh, th that's one thing, like, listen, if, if George is there and he's willing to share some thoughts on an era of uncovered Star Wars, I, th I personally do think you owe it to yourself as a creative to at least listen to those thoughts. Is that a fair statement, Nick, or fuck George? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely worth listening like i think it's definitely yeah. worth like listening to what his thoughts are i mean that's what jj did i mean jj had to sit down with him and talked about what his thoughts were on the series and stuff like that and where he would go and and, and then they just like, did everything everything different <laughs> so, but yeah that's your choice right i mean when you own the ip you own the ip and you gotta remember george doesn't own it anymore um so uh, again tying this all back together since mangold's film is going to be about the genesis of the force and the first order of jedi that wield it uh, this is where she's like, hey, you know, they, they, Ray's movie, this movie, they are going to be linked. It was something that Jim immediately sparked to, and I think it's a really nice compliment to what we're doing with moving into the future with Ray and then understanding a bit more of where this all came from. 
because it will be at the heart of creating the new Jedi Order. So to get a real sense of where that might have began with, the Dawn of the Jedi could be pretty cool. Okay? Yes. Agreed. Agreed. It, now, Nick, does that mean we get Dawn of the Jedi before the Ray movie? I doubt it, right? I, I think the Ray movie is probably going to be the yeah, first that's, two that's theaters. That's definitely going to be the first one up. And so, like, I, I, go ahead. No, yeah, I mean, there's one, it's the only one that we have, like, solid information on in terms of, like, hey, this is... Yeah, even, coming. yeah, the leakers have even had, like, a steady flow of confirmed shit. So this one does seem to be, the Ray movie, that is, seems to be the most actively in development right now. Yeah. I don't think... Um, the, I, you know what I could see? If, if the Ray movie comes first, I could see them putting, like, items in there, be it, be it books, lessons, caves, hieroglyphics... You know, maybe she goes to a Tython area and then we get to see that in its prime in Dawn of the Jedi. Like, I, I, I would almost prefer that. Like, I, I like, again, <laughs> the idea of the prequels to me was awesome because my mind was like, oh, my God, the potential and what they could show me with the Jedi Order and Anakin and Obi-Wan and blah, 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 and the twins. I, I do kind of like seeing what comes last and then seeing how it got there. Does that make sense? So... If we do see Ray kind of visit some of these locations that may show up in Dawn of the Jedi, I guess I would like to see her movie first to kind of get the context in the future. And then we get to see how all that came to be in Dawn of the Jedi. Yeah. I think that like... I hey, think that Tones! Uh, I think that she'll also like draw, you know, draw from these texts. Like where, where did these texts come from? Stuff like that too. Because um, I think that these books that she like took from the tree, whatever the tree was like, those have to be ancient books. Did yes. those come from the time of the dawn of the Jedi? Did it come after yeah, that? I like when so. were these texts written and stuff? There's a lot of like exploration of like where yeah. she's like building her tent, like what she's building her tenants off of and stuff like that. So you uh, are right. I mean, the books clearly have to play a major role because they, they were starting to play a major role in The Rise of Skywalker. It's how she taught herself the, the, the healing and learned about Exegol, so on and so forth. So I think you're right. I, I, and the books actually, again, the comics have been pretty fantastic in terms of lore check-ins and building. But Luke actually gets one of the texts you see him with in the tree in between Empire and Jedi, and he gets it in like some freaky force planet dream and a High Republic Jedi kind of gave it to him through the force. So these things have definitely been passed down like a, a scroll, if you will, or, you know, the scriptures, so on and so forth. So I th yeah, I think you're, you're, you're spot on. The books would probably be the most direct tie between those films and the, in the eras. You would probably see them penning the books yeah, very in, in the movies. Not sure. <laughs> Dude, we, we essentially just pitched a Dawn of the Jedi where it'd be like watching a, a monk become a monk. So yeah. there'd be like no dialogue and just writing in scrolls the whole movie to capture the lessons of their, of their masters. Sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why we uh, do this podcast and we don't write screenplays. Okay, let's uh, kind of shift away from the movies that probably will never see the light of day into something that is going to see the light of day, and that is Skeleton Crew. 
So uh, last week, an interview came out between Jude Law, who is going to be one of the stars of the show, and uh, this guy, Chris Ford, who is one of the showrunners. And um, they, they kind of discussed the, the feel and the tone of the, of the show. You know, we know the, the main cast is going to be kids. So obviously there's a lot of questions like, is it, what, who's this for? Who's Skeleton Crew for? Is this going to be like some kitty bullshit? Are we going to have Technicolor Vespas again? Or is this going to be proper Star Wars? So, uh, you know, Watts, the, the main creator here, says, like, listen, it, it's going to be a story about a group of kids about 10 years old from a tiny little planet who accidentally get lost in the Star Wars galaxy. So Skeleton Crew is going to be the story of their journey trying to find their way home. Uh, so, you know, think Goonies those types of movies where yes, the kids are the stars, but the, they're kind of going through some pretty uh, horrific scenarios that uh, maybe adults have caused. Uh, so they go further in here. Here's Chris Ford on uh, the, the tone of skeleton crew and what fans should expect. So first and foremost, he says skeleton crew's tone is an adventure. We want it to be a lot of fun, but of course, along with adventure comes the downside of it, which is danger. And when the kids are in danger, it's extra fraught. So we played with that. But overall, we wanted it to be just a fun adventure. Hopefully it can be for all ages. When we told Kathy Kennedy about that, we wanted to go for that Amblin tone, which she perfected over the years. What she would say is that they never thought of those as movies for kids. They just happened to be about kids. A story of a kid going on an adventure. So it could be for anyone. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what E.T., like E.T. is the same thing. Like E.T. is, it's, it's a story about kids, but the adventure itself is not only for kids. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if you, if you think about the, the shit going in it, it's, it's dark as fuck. Like a, an alien showed up, the government's like harassing a family for it, the little kid has a bond with it. So you have all those, you know, uh, emotions that kids may deal with when they're young. So yeah, I, I just I, I the, the skeleton crew is definitely not sounding like it's just going to be some campy G bullshit. It, it's just the, the the kids are kind of the vehicle. It's going to get dark, as as Ford and them are saying. Uh, so the interview you start talking to Jude, who uh, apparently now he can't say if he's a Jedi or not. But I know just a month or two ago, I think it was like from StarWars.com that says he's a fucking Jedi. But he won't admit it anymore, even though in the trailer celebration, he was seen levitating stuff. But here, here's how he explains his character and what, what to expect. I can't tell you very much about my character. He was someone the children meet on their attempt to get home. So clearly he's not a teacher. He, they're going to get lost and then they stumble into Jude's character. He is like a lot of the world that they experience, contradictory, and at times a place of nurture and other times a place of threat. So I like that. It's like they're going to, it's Nick, it seems like they're going to run into this guy and um, he, he is going to help them, but he, he doesn't sound like he's going to be like a Luke Skywalker where he is, he's all light and he's there to help. Like it, he may have some shady things going on or, or he may have some leverage that he may try to get over these kids as, as well. Um, so he goes on to talk about the, the young characters and, and how the fans are going to kind of experience a story through them. 
and how it's going to get dark. So again, this isn't going to be all cute and kindly. Let's have fun Barney hour. All right. He says, because it's through their eyes, at times there's a sort of goofy nature and a goofy relationship between the kids and the adults. And then other times it's really quite dark and quite scary, which I guess is what the world probably looks like to an awful lot of 11 year olds. So it, it sounds like these kids are going to get into some fucked up shit, and, and I kind of dig that. So, Nick, what, what's one messed up scenario you could see these kids getting in? I mean, if they're truly like, if this is like truly like a Goonie situation where they're on their own and like they like they come and do like if they like, you know, steal a, like a ship or something like that, yeah, and that make their way off planet, it's very easy for them to like, get caught up like especially at this time with the Nile. like the Nile is that like group of Whoa, no 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 remember this is mandoverse oh this is mandoverse it, so it's of. probably going to be probably going to be pirates some sort of fucking like pirates. imperial remnant stuff pirates yeah anything yeah like our that. boy vane you, you know our boy vane from mando is going to show up but it, it yeah i i it, to me i i think you're right i i think there some hijinks is going to happen on their home world where they end up in a a starship that maybe they didn't pilot off maybe Jude's character pilots off maybe someone else or maybe it's just AI controlled who the fuck knows or maybe they do steal it and once they get out there they realize quick like oh fuck uh yeah the galaxy definitely is way bigger than just our local atmosphere and before you know it they're being boarded by um, pirates or uh, other shitheads, Remnant Empire could be out there messing with them. Bounty hunters, obviously. Uh, this now creepy sounding force user that Jude Law's playing. Because I don't know about you, but what he's saying to me, Nick, is like, yeah, you know, I'm my guy is okay. He he is going to help them at times, but he he also could make things or things could get kind of dark even if he's with these kids at times. Yeah, I so. mean if you're if you're like just bumming around the galaxy, it is definitely easy to uh to run into some stuff that you're not quite prepared for yet. So Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean yeah. th- th- this show is it it does intrigue me and, and I I thought we were going to get it in by the end of this year, I think we we still might. You never know, though. They they really haven't done anything on it outside of these little interviews. But I I, I like the concept. I like that. It, you know, anytime you're breaking away from proper Skywalker saga stuff and and allowing fans to just kind of embrace the galaxy in a different way, I'm always down for that experiment. Uh, unlike some fans, I'll go into it. Uh, with a positive mindset. Remember, I'm only positive about Star Wars, negative about everything else in life. Uh, but I'm, I'm down. Listen, I I, I, I want to see this character that Jude's playing. I think that's what I'm most intrigued about. I'm not saying I'm anti the, the, the kids. They, they may be great. But I like what Jude's selling in these cryptic quotes here because uh, he doesn't sound like your typical goody two-shoes force user. He sounds like someone that understands that he can use his abilities to accomplish many different things in a galaxy where the New Republic doesn't quite have a a, a lockdown approach on the entire uh, system. Yeah. And like, I doubt that, like, I know that before we were talking about, like, is he a Jedi? Is he not a Jedi? I mean, it's possible that he just never was a Jedi. Like, it's. We're at a point now in the galaxy where, like, if, say, say Jude Law's in his 
early 40s, late 30s. I don't know how old they're going to place his character, but like it's very possible that like this is 27 years somewhere around there, 25 years after uh fall of the or like fall of the republic. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's probably it's probably longer than that. Like it's It's close to probably close to 30. Yeah, somewhere around there. So like um because a new hope is 19 years after fall of the republic. And this takes place, what was it, seven years post ROTJ? Return of the Jedi. Yeah. yeah so like, well, that that's when that's when like when the man like Mandalorian season one supposedly yeah, so took it, place. So we, we mean, might be two or three years beyond that at this point. So maybe yeah. ten years beyond Jedi. Ten years beyond Jedi. I mean, that puts you like fucking thirty, almost four. That's almost forty years post. God, it's so hard. Post Revenge of the Sith, right? Like. So it's very possible that this guy is just a force user. Like he just has the ability to use the force and was never like, never had the opportunity to train. Never. Yeah. I mean, Jude, I know Jude's older, but he's a guy that, that you could argue could play like a late thirties type still probably. Yeah. You know, he still looks pretty young, but, um, I, that like to me that would be interesting. That would be a little bit more interesting than like yes, because let, let's get away from oh a Jedi that was hiding. Like I know yeah. you know we did this a few weeks ago, but it is I do think it's getting a bit ridiculous. Yeah. It's like come on, and, and for all you motherfuckers that that you know hey George George George, I mean George is the one that said they're all fucking gone. All right, yeah. and it's also like it's okay to have it's it's even okay have a force user in the prequel timeline that is not a jedi like it's it is impossible for the jedi as they were set up to find every force user as they were born like it's just not right. possible right so i mean like it's okay if we run you're, you're 100 correct especially yeah. when george made the force literally a genetic thing yeah like, like, it, i mean it's the force is truly it's not something you really have to study i guess yeah you can to get even better at it um i think he's gone on to say like anyone could potentially use the force there's a little bit in everybody but some people get more of the dna than others exactly so like i i would really like to see more of that like especially in this mandoverse timeline where it's like you're so you you push yourself far enough out from like the, the fall of the Republic where you had like formal Jedi training happening. And we haven't gotten to the point yet where like Luke is like doing hardcore recruitment for the Jedi, the new Jedi order that he was building that like you, you should have interactions with like these floating force users out there. Like these people out there who have access to the force, who have almost like in, in a sense, like kind of like Ray that is like, that that discovers their force powers on their own and and don't have anybody to train them and 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 doesn't have an idea of like what they should do with it but does use it for like tricks and shit like they can't like this was a this was something that I had like written in a story like a Star Wars story a long time ago like one of my main characters was like somebody who like was never trained fully as a, as a Sith or a Jedi and but like he knew he could use the force and he would he would use the force to like trick people or he was like a thief and he would use it in that kind of capacity. Oh, yeah. So like I think that discovering or exploring characters around that type of you know character archetype would be super interesting, especially in the Mandoverse, because there's 
it's such a place of like wild and open possibility because there's no like hard grip from any sort of galactic government on it that like you can have people like that that are just floating out there that are just existing. So I do hope that his character is not just a fucking Jedi. Question for you here. If you're one of these floating force users, like you personally, how do you use your power? Oh my God, dude, that's such a good question. And it's such a hard thing (laughs) to figure out too, because it's like, you know, like I, I would almost like encourage the person who is like thinking about joining our game to like play a, play a character like that. Um, but it's like, because it's such an interesting thing. Cause like, like if it's almost like the question, like when you were posed the question as a kid, like if you could pick a superpower to have, what would you, what would it be? And what would you do? With yeah. It? Like, I don't know. I, it almost like would lend itself to just being like mischievous, right? Like you of could, <laughs> that's where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like you could be a thief so easily, like, you know, you could run racket, like you could, you could be a pickpocket so easily, but I think See, I, that would, I would do Robin hood style though. Like I I'd go yeah. after like, like big money, uh, like, you know, the, the, the 1%, that's yeah. what I'd go after. And the thing is, is like, there's no way for you as a floating force user to be like, I am going to be a force of good for it. Like I, you, it's almost impossible to be a force, like a vigilante force user, right? Because the word spreads too fast. And then factions that are like super anti force users, super anti Jedi, if they see you like, oh, this force user took down this warlord. Yeah, you're marked. You're yeah, marked. You're, you're like, they're, they're coming for you. Like, and it doesn't matter if it's Mandoverse or anything like that. There are still active factions out there who are like super anti-Jedi or like who are hunting like the remnants or like who are like hunting force users for experimentation like we've seen with uh, Moff Gideon and all of the other, you know, you know, Imperial remnant out there who are working on the Exegol project. So it's almost like you have to be this underhanded kind of like thief or Robin Hood type of character, like you've said, because that's the only way, one, that you can stay safe. And then two, that you could really use your your powers in a way that's advantageous to you and then also kind of like trying to help the people around you. So I think that that would probably be the best way to do it is almost be like yeah. a force user Robin Hood. That's like, listen, I, I love to play some villain on the internet. I'm not. I'm a big fucking sappy dope that does ultimately care about things. But I, I would, if I had these abilities, I would use them in a way, like Nick said, that I could kind of protect myself while fucking up the power. And then I, I would use that to build up enough of my own power to then kind of make it larger a movement if you yeah will. i mean i think that that's like that's the most fun thing about this like thought experiment or about like non-aligned force users in general is that like you don't know what they're going to do like when you encounter a jedi you're like okay they're a jedi this is this is their tenets of belief this is how they would train people this is how they would conduct their everyday yeah, definitely existence. not going full jedi yeah. fuck that i mean like, no way like sith is a little bit more like if you encounter a sith you have a very good idea of like their their tendencies their goals and everything that kind of encapsulates their their like 
belief system and how they view the force. But if you're, if you encounter unaligned force users, it's such a wild card. Like they could lean a little bit more dark. They could lean a little bit more light. You could, you could run into an unaligned force user who is literally just a healer. Like they're a doctor or something like that. Yeah. And they use the force to, to heal people, to help people with sicknesses, their injuries, or you could lean a little bit more on the other side and you could have, and this is kind of what I was pitching for like the Balin character in, uh, in the acolyte is like, you have an unaligned force user that is a mercenary and that uses, oh, their he, he's a Soka, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, Soka, I, I'm getting all this shit confused. Um, That's why I'm here, like, buddy. Um, like to have a character like that, be just a straight up merc and, and, and it's not like I'm not a dark side guy. Like I, I'm not a, a Sith. Like I use the powers that, that right. I have to, to further my own goals of being a mercenary or something like that, being a bounty. I would, like- I would definitely kill people. I would not have a problem <laughs> with that. Like if, if they were fucking with me or, or, or people in need, I, I would just yeah. no. But it's not <laughs> like to me, it's Snap not interesting to be like, I'm a mercenary who was formerly a Sith. It's like, well, yeah, now we know why you were well, yeah, a mercenary. You, you're a fucking murderer you anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you, know? you do. But it's like, if you, if you do the character exploration of like, this guy came into his force ability on his own, trained himself or figured out how to use his abilities the best that he can on his own, then you get to see his development as a, as a person, right. not as a force user, because that's what we've kind of been shunted to. Is like, we've only seen development as a force user because even when we see when we meet luke his life development up to that point's already done like he's 19 20 years old he's an adult like we don't get to see his development as a as a like from a child to that point we only get to see his development as a force user and it's the same thing with with uh ray like when we meet ray she's 19 20 years old and then we pick up her story and we see her development as a force user but like and as a force user specifically under the tenets of the Jedi. But the, it, it's, it would be so interesting to see the development of a force user on their own without somebody leading them to say, like, this is how you should use it. This is how you should. And, like, just see how people organically come to their powers yep. and decide how to use them. Bunch of regular schmoes running around with the force. I'd love to see that. <laughs> it's like, you get the force. I got the force. We gots the force. I mean, that's what All Ryan right. was trying to go for, right? Is like the force is for everybody. Let's this let's let's explore what can happen if the forces uh yeah. you know is and I is I still love that them. take because I, I still was like, Oh yeah, but Palpatine's well what about the Kenobis and the Yodas of the galaxy? Like, come on, people. It's you can have boss level force users if they don't have a famous last name that's all i've ever been saying and that's why i do not like the rise of skywalker she should have been ray from nowhere period fuck you all right let's uh we got one more before we get into this week's fan segment this is kind of a fun one nick here i'm gonna try to turn it up so they can hear it on the the live stream here maybe but just a little setup here so amelia clark is in uh, the MCU now. She's in Secret Invasion. So she's doing some press with Ben Mendelsohn, who is, you know, a- another famous actor that is, has both been in Star Wars and now in Marvel. So, Nick, it appears they're out doing some press for Secret Invasion, and, and Ben kind of sets her up with a question like, hey, 
would you ever reprise your Star Wars character role? And, and the reaction on Amelia's face and body language implies that it may have already happened. Yeah, so uh, what, what we're going to do here is what this could have been. But here, let me let me play it real quick. At least those in the live stream, you might be able to see it. And if it's loud enough, maybe you'll be able to hear it. Well, no, nope, you won't be able to hear it because it's going through my headset. But here you can read the. Uh, <laughs> yeah she goes well you know what and he, she looks at him like uh save me uh, yeah and, and she, it, she's like i've never seen like i've seen a few interviews with amelia before i've never seen her react to a question like that <laughs> like yeah it was I, just it was deer it deer was in like, headlights uh, uh, like uh, 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 yeah like, uh, wait, wait, what, what can do I, say? I say what do i say exactly um, i think the big so takeaway I, here is that like this like we know that this Lando series is something that they're still serious about. We know that this is something that um, that Donald Glover is very interested in. He's already said that they're like that he's still super down to do it. We have already heard from Kathy that they're still super down to do it. If she's coming back, it's got to be in that series, right? Like they got, it's got to be right there. Well, I have another idea. I, and actually, I didn't even think about that. So good on you. Um. But if we think about Star Wars Outlaws, right? It's set in between Empire and Jedi. The character of Kira plays a major role in that time period with the crime syndicates. Yeah. Nick, this is when the whole War of the Bounty starts because of her auction for Han Solo and Carbonite. And then that leads into her plan to take down the Sith. Uh, so... I could see Kira being a front and center NPC in Star Wars Outlaws. Like you really either think someone she you would have that reaction if she was literally just like, yeah, I did eight yeah. voice lines yeah, for I, a I video mean, game. For for a character like that, yeah, you can't you can't say you're in in a project for sure. I mean, just just NDA type of reaction, yes. Uh, I, I just it, if it that's just, what it is, I'd be so fucking disappointed. <laughs> Like, well, I, I have a feeling it and it may be Lando, too. Like, you're not wrong. She makes perfect sense for that. But I Lando, to me, I still think is far off and, and may not happen where outlaws we know is a it's a done deal. I mean, it, it's out. We got dates, so on and so forth. And, and considering Kira is such a major player in the criminal underworld during the time that this game is set. I, I think there's high potential for the digital version of uh, Amelia Clark to show up in that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this out here too. Like more often than not, when characters are brought into video games, especially in like little parts like that, the people that voice them aren't even the people who play them. Like, let's be real. Do you think that Ubisoft is going to pay Amelia Clark? Like, Unless she just decided to do it for nothing or like she was just like, yeah, uh, I guess you could pay me it's whatever. It's been done. I, I think, didn't they, they, they got a uh, Oscar Isaacs to, to get his voice. I think in a few of the games before they, he was like, Oh, let me look at my contract. Yeah. I mean, th that was like early days. Like, like he did, he technically did his voice in resistance, but like after that he was like, yeah, I'm not doing this shit again. Like, are you fucking crazy? Like it would be super surprising to me if, if that's what she was vacillating about, because it's just so small. And I don't even think that they would have reached out to her if they were going to put her in it. 
I feel like if they were going to put Kira in it, I feel like that, like maybe you reach out to her and say like, Hey, do you want to do this? Like on the cheap, like, you know, we'll like, we'll throw you some cash, but it's not going to be a, a lot. And like, you just do these voice lines and get it over with. Like the way that she reacted almost seemed like she has knowledge of something that is, that we don't know about yet. And is something that's, that may not be like in active development, but is like heavily in discussion is kind of the thing that I'm thinking. And I'm not like, seriously, if that's it, like if it comes out as like, she is reprising her role as Kira in Star Wars Outlaws. It'd be like, what the fuck, man? Like, really? Yeah, well, here, the, some of the commenters are like, uh, what'd they say here? Ubisoft said that Lucasfilm advised them on characters they could possibly bring into the story. Crimson Dawn auction. and out. Like, these are just idiots on Twitter, so you never know. Rubbing my hands together maliciously. Also, it's the hidden cut for me. Look at the way that Ben Mendelsohn steps in, blah, blah, blah. Must have been either really, uh, okay, whatever. All right. Either way, it, it, it this interview and her reaction does. Yeah, she's coming back for something that we're gonna see her in something, and I I I tend to lean towards Nick's gonna be disappointed. That's where uh, I'm I mean that's one. not surprising because you know there's there's a lot of disappointment to go around. Yeah, I just I, I think now. this is it, man. I really do think they're just like, hey, we're going to use your your name, image and likeness in a video game. Do you want to use your voice too? What a like <sighs> Yeah, I mean if that's it then don't even talk to me about I it. I just it, you know what? Like I I want Lando to happen, but I I think they're going to quiet kill that one because they just I don't think so. They don't they don't I want to deal with the young Han stuff. I'll, I'll tell and, you and why. Kathy going out and saying this we'll never use young actors again like Another bold statement. I think that there's still life in that because Donald Glover is starting to act again. Like for a while, for a long time. Well, it he, makes sense. Like he he has said this in the past, right, Nick? Where like he'll only rap for a few years or he'll only write or he'll only act. Like he goes in cycles of his creativity. Yeah. And and like now it's confirmed. So like there, there were maybe, I don't know if you watch community or if like you were a fan of community when it was out, but like community is now becoming a movie. It's going to be released on Peacock. It's being developed by NBC up until like two weeks ago or last week, everybody was coming back except for Chevy chase and Donald Glover. And it was because nobody knew if, if Donald was done like had the time if he was going to continue doing his rapping stuff. And like now it's confirmed that he's going to be in the community movie. Like he's coming back 100%. He's in. So now is like, he's like, I'm ready to act again. So if he's coming back for that and we know that he loves the role of Lando and we know that they love him in the role of Lando, it would make sense for him to be like, Hey, let's get it going. And if that's the case, you get the band back together, depending on the timeline that you're placing this in. Like, are you going to do Lando after we see him in, in solo? Or are you going to do Lando before we meet him in solo? Like, there's a lot of questions around, like, when this could be set. Hey, that's it right there. That's it right there. That's how they, they skirt the Alden thing. And I liked Alden, but apparently he's not allowed to play that character. But you are right there because Kira and, and Lando clearly had a, an established relationship. Yeah. So I think that I think that it's possible that he that like that is her angle to get back in. Nick, does like, this make sense to you? Hashtag six seasons in a movie. 
Yeah. So it's hashtag okay. six. All right. J, J Patrick's with you then. Yeah. They, no, they it's, get a, the six. Uh, it's a community <laughs> thing. Basically, like from right. season one in community, one of the characters had like a little, like a side joke where it, like he was super into television and he would always yeah. talk about like six seasons in a movie. So that's like that became the meme for community okay. is like it'll Got have six it. seasons in a movie and that's what it's going to end up. All right. All right. All right, well, hey, keep on a lookout for this youngly love lady, but it, it sounds like we could be seeing Kira again either in digital, like pure digital, like computer-generated form, or we could see her live action. But it, 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 her reaction does kind of make it seem like she's at least talked to Lucasfilm, if not already worked for Lucasfilm again on Star Wars. Okay, well, I think it's time to funnel this episode towards its closing moments. But before we get there, you know what we got to do. We got to do the fan segment. That's right. Question of the week and our top five fan artist features. We do it every week. One of the only stupid podcasts out there to dedicate a segment to their fans. So we always ask questions on Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. Typically uh, when we do our lives, so on Tuesday, this week we did it on Wednesday. Just check out at Star Wars Time Show. Turn on notifications. Like us, love us, click us. Do what you got to do to juice that AI. Then you just got to reply to it. And then we will talk about your comments and either say you're stupid or smart. Okay? Sounds like fun, right? You got to put yourself out there on the internet. You never know what's going to happen. So let me go ahead and get things switched up here real quick. We need this and that and this and that. All right, perfect. So the question of the week this week, and we always try to theme it around one of our topics. So I asked you all, would you have preferred an R-rated Boba Fett film or what we got in the book of Boba and why? We got some good responses here, Nick. I'll start with the stories, and then I will sit back and hopefully laugh as you go through the comments. So up first, Carl Pullen says, R-rated, he's a hardened bounty hunter. Be great to see the War of the Bounty Hunter story arc played out in a gritty style. I would love to see that, too. It was a fun little comic book run, and like I said earlier, Boba definitely fucks up the competition. One by one. Good stuff. I think, yeah, no, I think that that would be great. I think that that particular storyline that he picked out uh, it's, it's would perfect be a, a, a it's fantastic perfect. one and i think that like de- mangold mangold would have had fun with that yes yeah and mangold for the most part makes pretty good films i mean dial was good logan uh, was logan good. good didn't he do the other wolverine doesn't, doesn't he do two wolverines or just logan um i'm not sure Did he do the, the- Nah, the Wolverine was the one that was set in Japan. I'm not 100% sure if that what was What else him. has Mangold done that's big? I know there's... Yeah, there's I'm looking at it now. Uh, director, uh, Dial, yeah. Ford versus Ferrari. So he did do yeah, the Yeah, that, that movie's fucking kick-ass, by the way. Have you ever seen Ford v. Ferrari? Not that's yet. Shit. I have not seen it, but I do want to see it. It's good. He, it's very good. He did. Uh, he did do the Wolverine, so the one that was set in Japan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he d- he yeah. did the last two. He did Wolverine. Walk the Line, Three Ten to Yuma. Like yeah, he okay. did. Good. Yeah. He's, he's done good. good shit. He's done very he's good. good things. He's so. fucking good. So um, you're you're not wrong. All right. Next from Mad Dot Like Dot A Dot Clone. Yes, because Boba Fett is a R-rated character. Simple fact. Sweaty emoji, okay emoji. 
or is that would you call that sweaty emoji or is that like that that is what's the like, one where the, it's like smiling but then there's a, a bit of water on the uh right side yeah, it's of the like face. Ner- nervously it uh, almost looks like a nervous smile emoji. but i don't know okay. I, I don't think that that's what this guy was going for honestly <laughs> hey either way i i like trying to decipher emojis our boy johnny an R-rated film would have given the character of Boba the liberties to be more the ruthless killer he was is, but I feel that the cramming of story in a 120-minute movie in the chapter that was given to us from the series would have left us feeling the same. And after watching Dial Destiny, the choice of director wouldn't have mattered. Okay. Hmm. Taking that as we don't like Dial of Destiny. Yeah. All right, I don't, but Nick. I think that he has like a very, like, I think that Johnny is under the impression that I think that Johnny's under the impression that they would have made the book of Boba Fett show a movie with the same story. Like that's how he's looking at it. And I don't know. I, well, one, that's almost assuredly not, how, not how it would have gone. I feel like once, once the Boba Fett movie from a movie to a show they completely reimagined how the, the story was going oh yeah to go. it changed 100 at, at the point where it, it's not a movie and it's a show they give it to favreau and they're like here john you do whatever you want to do with it and i think that like because of the develop like who was developing it the story would have been wildly different from the movie side to the show side i don't know if that's how it would have happened but I mean, yeah, maybe Johnny didn't like Dial of Destiny, but that's okay. We we can still love him. He can still play. It's all right. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. If you if yeah, you start shit only... talking indie, then me and Johnny yeah. are gonna be on. You know, we're not, <laughs> yeah, we're not I was gonna, gonna say we, <laughs> we we like we like everyone until you start saying really stupid shit about Star Wars, and then we don't <laughs> like you. How's that? Uh, yeah. All right, Nick, I'm turning over the reading to you. Pixel Rope. Right. Pixel Rope says, this is quite the question. The answer depends on the time period in which the story takes place for the book timeline. I don't hate what we got, but it was obviously affected by pandemic shooting schedules. Could it have been better and a little grittier rather than the lighter tone we got? Sure. That said, I don't know that the story or where Fett is as a character with the Mando storyline makes sense for an R-rated film. If there was an R-rated film spanning the original trilogy that runs through the Sarlacc Jedi moment, and ends with him crawling out leading into the show that could like work this. and give the character a full like arc of badassery realization and evolution yes and frankly that seems to fit in with the clones storyline overall um no i agree with pixel rope on here i think that like if there was an opportunity like and I think that like now we're we're kind of talking about this movie as in like it was going to be a thing, not it is going to be a thing. But if they took. Yes, it, it's a big it is a was and forever yeah. will be a was. Yeah. So like um, but what Pixel Rope is pitching here as like a prequel Boba Fett movie to the, the it's, series. It's kind of what I said, Nick, but they said it much more succinctly. Yeah. So I think that like if we're living in a universe where both properties exist, where the show exists and the movie exists, then this would be the perfect thing for it. Yes. To like, I, I agree. I you agree. Know, it's the kind of show his, you know, show Boba Fett's like rise and fall in a movie form. And then again, like, you know, have that be continued on in the show itself. So I think that that would be an interesting way to do it. And I think it's a I cool do idea. Like it. 
Job well done, Pixel yeah. Rip. I believe well, they're from Pittsburgh, so it makes sense that they had <laughs> a good thought on Star Wars that I agree with. Thank you. Uh, Darth LVJ is next up, and he says, uh, I thought the Book of Boba Fett was a fine addition to the Mandoverse, and it gave us insight into Boba during this time. I prefer Star Wars stay away from the R-rated scene because Star Wars has always been a family affair. I enjoy watching Star Wars with my children and have common ground with something I love. Uh, besides Star Wars has always been themed around family. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he does have a good point to that. And, and if you watched, um, I know Matt, this is the first time that I can say that, say this. I know Matt, you have not watched the behind the scenes of, uh, I know (laughs) I gave, I gave us homework and Nick fucking executed and Um, I did not. Uh, I know that you haven't watched it yet, but the behind the scenes for Mandalorian season three, that comes up again from, from Dave is like. Star Wars is about family. Star Wars has always been about family. Right. Now, we'll and I we'll can talk s- about next week, but yeah. you are fair to call me out. I <laughs> fucked up. Um, and I know that, uh, so uh, that's kind of what Darth, I mean, and that's what George has always said. Star Wars is Star Wars is about family. So I can see Darth LVJ's kind of yeah, you perspective know, it, it here. Can, it can still be about family with a few headshots and you know, you, you know, you're arms definitely getting right. chopped off. It's it's how you f bombs. It's how you implement the R rating, and I think that like yeah. R rating now comes like R rating now comes relatively easily. Like in the past, an R rating was like yeah, it's you, it's, if, a, it's a crime what gets rated R these days. Like yeah. if you, I think if you have more than two fucks, it's automatically it's, rated. It's R. automatically and I think you get one free fuck in PG thirteen. You get one, yeah. but as soon as you have two, you're R. And yeah. then like, what, what you notice how the like they, they like some, and look, I get it. You want it to be PG 13 cause your audience base is larger, but you'll go to movies where, you know, you got guys hacking arms with swords and whatnot. And there's zero blood. It's just yeah. like, okay. What? And it's like, and, and that, and that's what I was going to say is like, if you were literally basing your R rating purely off of violence, because star Wars has its own vernacular and doesn't necessarily use, I mean, until Andor doesn't use like common, uh, like profanities that, that we would use now, like in English, um, then you would really have to push the violence to like an extreme level to get to an R. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, that. like Boba Fett just lines people up and it's like, yeah, I mean, you're, 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 I mean, like, we've literally, and the heads seen, are like, popping like grapes, and it, like, they don't, they don't incinerate, They're like, it's literally goo and shit. The pink mist yeah. comes out, brain like, matter sticks on it, the back of Owen's hovel. You're really like pushing the envelope to get to an R just, just based off of that. But, but I can see Darth LVJ's perspective yeah. here. It's like, if there's a Boba Fett movie, I want to be able to take my little kids to go see it because it's a well, family affair. Darth, so. just be like me and take them anyways and hope that you're not doing and it's too so much funny. trauma. From somebody with the name, with Darth in their name, I thought he would have been like, fuck yeah, <laughs> violence, <laughs> yeah. rated R, let's right. do it. But he's like, no, no man, I want to be family. <laughs> family. Peaceful friend. Darth, peaceful yeah. Darth. Yes. Uh, Christopher Weber 33 says, I would love a grittier take on Boba Fett in his prime bounty hunting time period, perhaps pre-TESB. Um, in the book of Boba Fett, we witnessed a kinder man on a kind of voyage of self-discovery. Yeah, however, like, this there is another s- smart thought here. Yeah, I mean, however, there is an incomplete bridge between that character and the one we saw developing throughout the Clone Wars. Cheers, Matt and Nick. Well, cheers back to you, Christopher. Yeah, all right, Thank Chris. What's up, brother? Um, and yeah, I think that th- this is kind of where like people are going with it. Is like bridge, like have a movie, like a rated R movie, be the 
bridge between, you know, the Boba that we knew and the Boba that we now know post Book of Boba Fett. So like he's saying, set it sometime between Empire Strikes Back and, you know, in, in where we have. Well, yeah, I mean, dude, it would pay off on his line, like, you know, the, the Judlin Waste or the, or the desert something about the, the the wretched or the wicked right like let, let's see boba actually be wretched and wicked because unless you read about it in now non-canon comics or i guess war of the bounty hunters is but even there you, you could argue he's just doing his job yeah uh i don't know i mean we'll see we'll see uh i mean like but it seems like everybody who is in favor of it kind of has the same idea like yeah do it it's not like if it would have been done, it's like, do it and set it before Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's right. I was expecting a lot more negativity in re- in regards to Boba Like, yeah, no, fuck that seems- pussy shit. It should have been R-rated. But it, it's a fairly well-rounded yeah. argument from most of the people that commented. It, it's not, oh, that was absolute trash yes he needs to be r-rated it is kind of well thought out i'm I'm, I'm digging again like this is how it always goes with star wars fans this is how it always listen to me right now people who are listening to the show specifically listen to this this is how all star wars goes since the prequel releases people fucking hate it immediately and then if you give them eight months (laughs) to to realize that it's a it's a TV show or it's a movie, then they're like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. You know, I enjoyed that because people are stupid. And the first time that they see something and it's not exactly what they thought it was going to be, they hate it. And then they realize four months later, like, actually that was kind of fun. Um, all right. Last up in last up in the question of the week, uh, OFP underscore Marine. He says, I would have preferred an R-rated Boba Fett movie taking place from just after the death of Jango, leading all the way up to the events of Return of the Jedi. Reason. I know Star Wars is geared toward a certain storytelling, but I fell the R-rating would uh, allow for a more realistic journey of Boba Yes, Fett. it's another, it's like, yeah. Let's, let's see him be bad, and then we get the redemption. And yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I am surprised that, that the fans went in this direction, but clearly that was kind of the tone from most of the responses today. So, yeah, I mean, people hey, are, color lo- me they, people, people <laughs> were a lot more friendly to the book of Boba Fett than I thought they would. And you're right. It, it, it has been what, almost two years now. So they probably are moving into the phase of acceptance. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, you yeah. know, wasn't what I wrote in my my brain the script I had since I was a kid, but it does kind of turn this guy into a full fledged character. He's not just a dude in an armor that looks cool anymore. Yeah, he, like it gives he him- has motivations and and he actually cares about things now. People, other meat bags, which he never did before outside gives him of his dad. Reasons for the things right. that he does, and not just like. Him well, and Fennec are gonna have augmented robot assassin babies in between yeah. seasons. Yeah, well, then maybe. All right, good we'll stuff see. there, people. I like that. I don't know. It's so far, the questions I've been making up have been hitting a little bit better than usual. So kudos to you all. It is your segment, after all, right? Yeah. Good job. Well done on the responses to the community. Um, but now, after the question of the week, we roll into our top five Star Wars. Fan artist features of the week. If you want to get involved in this segment, make sure to follow us on Instagram. Uh, 
add tag at Star Wars Time Show on all of your Star Wars art posts. Could be toy pictures, could be real ass paint, as we like to call it. It could be any sort of uh, art medium out there, as long as it's Star Wars related. Add tag at Star Wars Time Show. Use the hashtag Star Wars Time Show on your post as well, because we like to see those numbers climb on that usage. So, That's right. to kick off the top five for this week, we're going right to at Morpheus Visions with an awesome shot I of like, this. this is like post ROTJ training time oh, yeah. period between Luke, Jedi Master oh, Luke, Yes. And his new apprentice, his sister, uh, I would assume Jedi Knight Leia, maybe at this point. You think she's still a Padawan? Is this Jedi I, Padawan yeah, I don't, Leia? It, Luke kind of makes it sound like she, she never took got the, the training almost all the way up to becoming a Jedi. And then she quit because she knew if she did, it would be bad or something. Yeah. I mean, also probably at that time is like when she noticed like, oh shit, there's some stuff brewing in my in my political arena that I need to get back involved in. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I forget that they try to explain it in TLJ, but eh, yeah. whatever. But it's, hey, it's listen, a dude, beautiful it, shot. Yes. I mean, I, what um, we see, go ahead and break ahead. it. What do we see here, Matt? So I believe this is the Mandalorian Hot Toys Luke that's that's releasing. I am very close to taking mine out of the box. I got the shelves clean. They're back in order. Just got to take the toys out. But that's the Luke we're looking at. Now, Nick, the lay, it has to be some form of a, a bash or a mashup because I think that's her ROTJ Endor head. You know, she's got the, the Endor braid where she was wearing her helmet for the speeder bike look. Mm-hmm. The body, I have no fucking clue. Like, I, I don't know if Morpheus got a custom body and, and made custom robes and cloaks. But, dude, I love Leia in that. In her tunic, like she looks cooler than fucking Luke. I mean, her yeah. hood's down. Luke has his hood up, and Luke's in his, you know, his Sunday blacks. But Leia, she's got like her two pronged blaster belt on. Uh, you can see her sabers on that. She's got white gloves. Uh, her cloak, I, I would argue, is eh, it's similar to Luke's. You know, it's it's not your your standard Jedi cloak. It's more of a a cape with a hood on it. Uh, it just looks fucking awesome. I I, did, I, I love this, and I, I really love what Morpheus did with, with the Leia figure because it's not a standard figure. Yeah, no, I mean, it looks fantastic. The use of atmosphere is great. Um, this they're, they're, like, walking through, like, the, the, the destroyed remnants of what could have been, like, an ancient Jedi temple. So he may have been, like, taking her through some of the ruins of, of Jedi history to teach her about the past and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like, or, or they're out on a mission. I mean, the, 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 these are what, what if moments that I think any fan would be down to see, not that we're ever going to get them, sadly, but yeah, like a, like a, a, a year or two post ROTJ, Luke and Leia, the Skywalker twins fully embracing their force potential. Leia decked out like a Jedi, Luke whipping his blacks. I mean, yeah, sign us up. So great work here from at Morpheus Visions on Instagram. Beautiful stuff. Next up in the top five is at 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography. One of our favorites here on the Star Wars Time Show. One of my favorites. He does incredible. Oh, that cleared it up, Nick. She had a vision that led to the death of her son while training to use the force. She put her saber down and he dies anyways. So yeah, it's it's one of those good old Skywalker reactions to a vision that yeah. that, that happened. We, we always we know how those go. 
never the way that they're they're really good at interpreting their visions yeah so um no this was uh good stuff uh all right so 97 parsecs photography's picture here is of the grand inquisitor the good old grand inquisitor from obi-wan kenobi as he is uh rendered in obi-wan kenobi so we're not seeing him the same way that we saw him in rebels um and it's the Grand Inquisitor making his way, it seems like, out of a, a base. I, I guess it's like they, they, they found just, like maybe like a hidden rebel base. fucking something up. Yeah, like they, they found like a rebel base or something like that that they have taken out. He's walking away from the explosion in a very cool way, surrounded by stormtroopers on all sides. Uh, and an uh, Imperial uh, interrogation droid uh, above him. It seems like there's either a dead, like there's like a dead guy that's just hanging oh, yeah, then, above there's a pair the of legs. Of the entrance. Just, yeah. yeah. And I can't tell. It almost looks like Reva is there in the background, like Reva and a, uh, like an Imperial security droid. I, um, I think, I think that's a, uh, an Imperial officer. Is it but an yeah. officer? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I could, it looked like they had a cape on and a dark, vest so i was like is it reva is it somebody else i can't they, so they got that goofy little imperial navy hat I think oh is, yes is the hat. what that is yeah so um but yeah no i just i i, I love the composition of the shot the explosion was captured perfectly and and all the background stuff happening is just top yeah, tier looks, looks great i mean big surprise 97 is one of the best out there no doubt about it great at stage and scenes like with lots of shit in it that looks good and not like just a bunch of lot lots of shit yeah so excellent stuff here from at 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography make sure to give them a follow uh next up we have at carl p underscore photography again they were in our question of the week responses as well and he gives us an awesome Lego damn, look at all of our looking mini figs yes yeah, all of our favorite bucket heads from the Mandalorian TV series, you see right up front and center with his <laughs> son. Uh, you have Din Grogu. Din, Jarin, Din Grogu. And Din off. Grogu. Yes, right front and center. Off to the right, you have the armor. Off to the further right, you have Paz Vizsla, R.I.P. And then off to the left, you see Bo-Katan Kreez, and then you see. I mean, I'm assuming that's Casca Reeves next yeah, to Bo. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, so. It's hard to tell the difference between Casca and Axe Woves at some points, especially Dude, with I Lego just, like, minifigs. So. I don't know if these are official figs. Like, obviously, Grogu and Dinar, and I think Bo, because I think the her gauntlet has released. But I'm wondering if the armor and Paz and Casca show up in a set. Because if they do, I might have to grab them based on this image. They just look at that little Paz minifig, man. I mean, that no, just looks, looks so boss as fuck. I love it. Good stuff. I mean, Carl P. Uh, photography really killed it. I love the dio that he set up and put him in. Yeah, like, I mean, that, that looks like that's probably just some random thing he, he found in a wood shop or something, right? I mean, it looks like it's scrapped wood, but it does kind of form... Like an outdoor docking bay hallway, which is, yeah. I always love, this is my favorite thing about this hobby, is what the artist can cook up to kind of flesh out a scene that isn't like a digital background or whatnot. I, I like the digital backgrounds too, but, you know, a lot of times, Nick, you'll look at it and be like, hey, that looks like a cave, and it's just a wadded up pieces of paper, or, you know, hey, that looks like a hovel, and it's just, it's, it's styrofoam packing material for a TV, so great stuff. Love it. Carl P underscore photography. Good 
good stuff. Oh Next boy, up, here he is, the Dark Lord. It, it's such a good shot. This is from at visual underscore approach underscore photo. Visual approach is another one of our favorites here on the Star Wars Time Show. Sean Kearney really fucking killing it. And this one is of, like you said, the Dark Lord himself. The Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader, uh, standing on uh, the the shale and volcanic ground of Mustafar with his uh, his castle in the background, lightsaber out, ignited, and even you can see the the burn, uh, burnt edges of I'm, his I'm glad you, you spotted, that's my favorite part of this shot. I just, again, it's the little fucking minutia, the details like that. And what Nick's talking about, if you're, if you're just on the podcast version, you know, Vader's obviously standing by a, a lake of fire, so it's toasty. And his his cape is being kicked up in the probably the the, the fumes, the, the steam coming up. And that part of the cape that's being uh, kicked up is all frayed and burnt looking. And it's just that's that's the shit right there. That's what takes you next level is adding just those teeny tiny little details to a shot like this. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's that it's the it's the excellent use of. Just like, and it's Vader. I mean, dude, yeah. Vader is fucking Vader. He owns in anything he is. Like, look at that guy. Yeah. He is the greatest movie character of all time. Villain, good guy, don't fucking matter. Just look at him. Just so look cool. at him. Excellent use of of lighting and digirama. Excellent use of of foreground materials to make the the lake of lava. Like you said, it's just. All around, just such an incredible shot. This is something that I would hang on my wall if it was available. Yeah, I was going to so. say, it's poster. It's a poster yeah. shot. Sean, beautiful, beautiful. Hit us up. Uh, <laughs> <and>, yeah. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, to close out the top five for this week is another shot of our good old boy. Dark Lord of the Sith. Uh, this is from a galaxy far, far, far away. Three fars in there. Damn, that, and that one's see, much further than Luke's galaxy then. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, and what we see here is actually a very interesting shot. So what we see, this has to be very early on in Vader's journey. Uh, but oh, you know see, what this is? This is the you end of uh, Clone War Season yeah. 7. Um, yep. So like I said, very early on in, in, in Vader's journey, he is on the snowy planet that the uh, 332nd and, and Ahsoka and Rex crashed on as yep. they were leaving the Siege of Mandalore. Um, and this is where Vader shows up, finds the graves of those fallen 332nd members, but then also um, by, he does find Ahsoka's discarded blue lightsaber. Is that yep. correct? I think so. And yeah, she, she leaves it, it there. And it, yeah, it probably she, is a few years after because yeah. like proper stormtroopers were there. Yeah, but it, it's a great moment. It's one of the best shots in animated Star Wars. Are those last few moments where the Empire is on this planet that we know, you know, that the clones all died and and Rex and Ahsoka survived, and they're clearly yeah. investigating all that shit. And he just he looks down, and sees the kind of the war. Actually, the last shot is him walking away, and it's reflected in, in a clone visor. Yeah, but yeah, he he picks up the saber, and you see Morai kind of circling yeah. up, and he looks Flyer. up and ignites it, and he yeah. knows that Ahsoka's still out there. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a beautifully poignant awesome. moment in the show, and I think that a galaxy far, far, far away captured it incredibly well in this shot. Um, beautiful, like I don't know what he used for the snow. Um, but excellent use of of materials and background elements to to really kind of place Vader in that scene, 
And then even though, you know, Vader is meant to be like this emotionless, more machine than man figure, like you can feel the emotion. Yeah. And that's shot what I was about to say. I was saber. like, dude, that shot. I mean, this shot here and then obviously the, the inspiration from the Clone Wars. It's probably the greatest scene of, of Vader and in, in realizing the pain that he's going through without him specifically telling us that he is hurting big time. Yeah. Because, I yeah. mean, he's literally there looking at the death and destruction, being a tough guy. But, you know, deep down when he's looking down, and he sees that and he's picking it up and the owl's up there. You know, behind that mask, he's he's fucking gutted. Yeah, and he's, he's thinking about all the bad choices and how, what the fucking disaster he's got himself in and what could have been and what he and Ahsoka could have have been. I, it's 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 one of the best Vader moments in all of Star Wars. It, it's the it ranks up there when he finally realizes that he's a dick face and his boss is murdering his son in front of him. And you can see it without seeing a facial expression. You can see the flip switch and he's like, fuck. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's up there it, with that one for me. Definitely. I mean, it's and it's two figures in his life that he I mean, for lack of a better term, like he was kind of a father figure to Ahsoka. And of course. It, obviously, at he least was big, a father at least big the, brother. I mean, no yeah. doubt about it. So, yeah, so it's, I mean, there's very few moments where you can feel Vader's pain through all the armor. And, and this is one of them. This is yeah. one of them. I mean, incredible. The other one I'd say is when when he's on the bridge on Endor with Luke and and. He says to Luke, like, Obi-Wan once thought as you did, but, like, listen, son, I'm I'm toast. Yeah, he, it's too, like, at a certain point, he says, it's too late for me, son. Yeah, like, yeah, he literally. just, he, it, yeah, so you know the guy's been sitting there thinking about it, feeling sorry for himself. So that's what I mean, there's there's very few moments where you see Vader's regret. And by see, I do mean it. You, you as Nick said earlier, you, you can see and feel it even through all that thick breathing apparatus and black armor. Yeah. Great shit. Beautiful stuff. So, uh, great one to close it out on a galaxy far, far, far away. Make sure to follow them on Instagram. Uh, that is the end of the top five and that is the end of our show for this week. Matt, close us out. That's right. I mean, you're all probably sitting around like, these guys are late. What are they even going to talk about? They told us there's going to be Ahsoka stuff over the weekend. That never happened. But look, we still did it. Still went over two hours. Had good time talking random tangents and all sorts of Star Wars nonsense. And of course, we kept it in the Lucasfilm family with a little Dial of Destiny discussion to kick things off. So if you missed that, make sure to watch the replay. Uh, But this is it. It's time to say goodbye to episode 268. So let's go ahead and dance our happy little asses and finger taps on over to StarWarsTime.net. That's our home base on the internet. That's where you can get all the links that you need to have in your life. Do you want the show on a podcast? Well, we want you to want it. So go to StarWarsTime.net, hit subscribe to the podcast, pick a platform of your choice, and then as soon as you do that, give us five more seconds and please rate and review the show. If you're listening now on a podcast platform and you have not done so, please, I know it's hard to pause our intense and deep thoughts but pause it rate and review come back and finish the episode you youtubers out there we love you we get to play live every week typically on tuesdays 5p at star wars time show on youtube but we need your help too all right if you haven't subbed go ahead and sub up we lost a few after last week so we got to rebuild the numbers if you're watching right now go ahead and hit like leave a comment add you know turn on notifications 
do a dance on one leg while spinning around and patting your belly. That is all we ask of you. No money, no handouts. Just your love and your influence of the artificial intelligence that dictates what meat bags are allowed to see on the internet. If you rate us high, the machines will love us. More people will find us. And we want that to happen, right? Because there's always time for Star Wars time. So why not share that mantra with other like-minded, geeky individuals? All right, people, it's been real as always. We'll be back to our regular time slot next week, at least for the next few weeks before I leave again in August. And you never know, maybe we'll stealth drop or surprise you with Scoundrels of the New Republic, Chapter 2, The Mission. In between now and then, you know the message, you know what to say. If you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you.